Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. It's episode 588 of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. What's up, fellas? We're creeping up on that 600, aren't we? Dude, we're on the last episode of August right Whoa. now. That's a scary one. Holy moly. Holy moly. Uh, what else is new? We just got back from Illinois Deer and Beer Fest in Bloomington, Illinois. Thanks to everybody who came out and supported that show. Um, Thanks, Cody. Live music. We got a little drunk on Saturday, <laughs> but we're back. I, was, I wasn't there, but I could feel the drunkenness through the phone. <laughs> Listen, we're having too much fun. It's all right. I we're got having, secondhand high. <laughs> we're having too much fun. Okay? We had a lot of fun. Hey, do you, Gotta have fun. Good show. We'll see you at 2024. I think at that point, my hangover will be just to get over. <laughs> yeah, ready to crack another beer. <laughs> I, had to, I had to take Monday off. Oh, my God. Yeah. I haven't had a beer since the show, and I don't think I'm gonna until October. Oh, boy. Until about 15 minutes. We'll, we'll see. Get some food. Anything can happen, really. <laughs> uh, but thank you guys for coming out supporting that show. Uh, a couple news items. Yeah, that show we launched a couple more t-shirts too, and they were a huge hit at the show. So yes, look for those. They are online now. And new kid shirts. New. So the, we got the chrome tee. We're calling it cool graphic. You know, kind of chrome-ish style looking. And then we have that in uh, hunting camp vibes. Yeah, adult sizes, I guess, and kid sizes. So whoa, and it's kind of limited on the kid size right now. But I have other sizes coming. Better get you some. Hey, yep. what's the news on some ladies' tanks and shirts? I know. I need to get that figured out. Okay. Well, I had some ordered and then... <laughs> no news. Never. No ordered. news, actually. <laughs> yeah, no news. <laughs> no, no updates. All right. Noted. Um, right now, there is one week left to get in the WCB Mountain Ops sweepstakes. It's just a giveaway. Um, and all you got to do is click the Mountain Ops link in our bio and purchase anything and use code WCB. And you're you're entered. You don't got to do any of the social media. And you want to be entered, and you you're gonna want to be entered. Giving away some bows, some grizzly coolers, coolers. some hunt war stuff, some trophy land stuff, some redline archery stuff. A lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Mountain up stuff. WCB stuff. Some um, great stuff. Just use code WCB at Mountain Ops. You're automatically entered for that. Um, we're also doing our monthly YouTube giveaways. Yep. All you have to do comment on a video in that given month, and you're entered. That's so simple. All you gotta do. That's it. We're not asking you to do anything you don't really want to do. I've been commenting under a different name, so when I win stuff. We win twice, brother. We just give it away. Again. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a <win>. it's a hack. <laughs> um, what else is new? Nothing. Nothing, cool. really. All right. I don't think. Last episode of August podcast brought to you by Elite Archery. Got a killer episode coming up from those guys. Oh, yeah. Um, also, Big Time. Um, hopefully you got your plots and you're pushing the limits here a little bit. Uh, Iowa, you guys are pretty much done supplemental feeding at this point, yep, yep. 30 days out and remove any mineral and all the whole, I don't know all the stuff. I'm not from Iowa, 
but you guys are doing whatever you're supposed to do. Um, Huntworth System Builder on their websites up. You can go in there and build like your own Huntworth suit, I guess, if you will. I don't know yep. if they want them called a suit. But we're That's also perfect. giving away an early season Huntworth Tarnan package, $400 value in that WCB Mountain Ops giveaway. Oof. So check it out. Tarnan, one of my Look babes. good, feel good. Uh, right. We got some Huntworth celebrities coming in next week, boys. Woo. Surprise episodes coming. Uh, code WCB at Huntworth. Um, also, Old Barn Taxidermy. If you came out to Illinois Deer and Beer, you got to watch Sam mount my eight pointer there. Yep. That's that cool. So exciting. They're going to be in tomorrow Yeah, for a podcast. Oh, yeah. That'll be fun. Uh, Loophole Optics was also at Deer and Beer. Performance yep. Eyewear, Spotters, mm, Rangefinders, mm, mm. 10x42s. 10x42s, baby. Rangefinding Binos. Huh? That's right. Whoa. Uh, Novix Tree Stands. Just hung a Raider yesterday. Hung a Raider and a Hilo yesterday. Damn. Damn. Look at me, dude. And I tipped my grizzly box blind over <laughs> and caught it. You did, you did a little bit of everything yesterday, didn't you? <laughs> well, I think in this episode, this episode with Greg we recorded weeks ago, we might have brought up how I'm going to lower my box blind. Yep. And I think you brought it up a couple uh, times. Yeah, I fucked it up. But it's okay. It, it survived. So, but, you know, if I would have ruined it, I would have just used code WCB to get myself another grizzly. And if I would have ruined... A Novix, I would use code WCB10 to get me into a Raider or a Hilo. Well, well, there you I go. I hung both, dude. I was overachieving. You were. And partner. Had yourself a day. Department. I had a, a day, and I'm sore. Mostly from uh, probably panicking from my butthole puckering. Yeah. My blind about to fall over. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one thing I didn't almost mess anything up was uh, anything from Trophy Line. I did good. I used tro- the Trophy Line Woodlands pack to hang my Hilo. Oh, I had nice. my straps in there as I was climbing. See that good transition? That was good. That was fantastic. Well, we're fucking professionals, dude. And uh, I had some Blackgate trail cameras really close. Oh, here's another story. I had a Blackgate um, R4G out by my box blind, so I lowered it from 10 to 6 feet. Did and then all you? my big-time borderline uh, was in the way. And I was already pissed off from almost ruining my expensive blind that I went in with my brush hog and mowed over just the borderline in front and thought I mowed over a Blackgate trail camera and my just be, I was being rammy. Did you run it over? No. But if you would have asked me in that moment of time, I'd be like, yep, I just I'd- blew it over. <laughs> so hey, dodge a bullet. I, I was yeah. on a path for yeah. destruction yesterday. <laughs> yesterday. No shit. <laughs> so sorry, guys. Uh, the podcast <laughs> also brought to you by Dialed Archery. Um, I'm working on my sight tape right now. Are you boys? Yep. Yes. I say I'm working on my sight tape. Everyone's like, you should already have it done, but I've only had a bow. Well, we have one done. Yeah, work on the other one now. Yeah, we're on sight tape number two. Yeah. But I'm taking my sweet, sweet time with this. I was yeah. shooting out to seven. You want to make sure you're Nat's ass in it. Dialed. <laughs> make sure you're dialed. Oh. oh. Um, shooting the red line gur- guru on that. Victory Ooh. arrows. And. Anything else we need, we're bringing stuff from Black Ovis. Game bags. Black Ovis game bags. That's going to cover the partners real quick this week. Oh, very nice. Though you got a veteran shout-out. I do. Very nice. Let's hear it. This is submitted by... Uh... Oh, man, I'm already struggling. Fahinix. <clears throat> Sound it out, Doug. The. 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 Oh, yeah. How do you even say his name? Yeah, I'll help you. No, don't the Christian this is your job Christian Marshall? Marshall yeah here I'm good bring it back that's what you need you couldn't read Marshall I, my brain's not working right now Marshall Christian. Christian no the first name 
What do you think it was? Christian? Just here. Let me you see want me that. to do this one? No, no. I got it. I'll take your job. No, don't take my job. This, that's, that's my your... job. All right. Christian. Jamie Marshall is the veteran. Yeah. yeah. No, <laughs> Jamie, I really wanted to read your veteran shout out so it didn't get botched. So I apologize. <laughs> it says uh, he's in the Navy. It says, my dad, Jamie, listens to the podcast daily. Oh, dang. Shout out. What's up, Jamie? You guys feel his day, and it would be an honor if you shouted him out. It says here for hunting and archery experiences, he's killed his biggest buck, 175-incher. Whoa. I can't remember which one. In Ohio. Ooh. Unheard of. On <laughs> January 19, 2022, the buck was being hunted for three years by the surrounding properties. So after the harvested the buck, they threw him a party. Hell yeah. See, now that's, that's some good, good neighbors. neighbors. That's, that's unheard of. That's, that's good neighbors. That's what we need to do. People in like Ohio are cooler than I thought. <laughs> they were not by like a few points <laughs> we have a lot of friends but from thanks Ohio. for listening jamie and uh congrats on the buck thank you for your service thanks for sending that christian thank you for your service congrats on the deer thanks christian yeah. if that is your real name and um if you guys want to submit one just go to wordingclassboner.com and there's a tab right there and it goes straight to me and then i'll read it terribly and you guys will make fun of me well, I will say this. We apologize that they've been inconsistent with like our schedules and everything going on. Oh, I've been man. doing a lot of the intros alone, which I don't prefer to do, but it it's, happens. it's what we have to do sometimes. And we're actually cramming this intro in in between a DeerCast episode, and we're going to go get dinner. We're going to come back and record another podcast tonight. We're recording two podcasts tomorrow. We uh, It's go time. It's go time. So thank you for being here. Thank you for supporting us. This episode was a ton of fun. With Greg and friends. Yep. I almost titled the podcast Greg and friends, but I didn't want it to be uh, a little weird. No. I a- so we, I just let him have the whole episode. He deserved it. The day that he treated us with, the farm oh, tour, yeah, all yeah. that. Here and there. Uh, so badass. Dude, one of the coolest dudes in the game. Yep. Um, Joe Humphreys was awfully sleepy on this episode. Quite disappointing. He filled in for me and got sleepy. Yeah. You got some chloroform on that mic filter or something. <laughs> <laughs> chlorophyll like borophyll he was bored <laughs> i made him drink an ignite in the middle of this episode did it work yeah because he started to get lively at the end i'm like we're shutting her down now now you want to you want to be a part now where were you yeah where were you show up he wasn't there show up i thought you want to be here anyway getting that giveaway code wcb anything on mountain ops gets you in thank you for being here hope you enjoy the episode you will bye-bye I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bow Hunter. It's really, really not that good. Work, class. 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 Work, class.
It's the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. If you didn't uh, hear it 400 times in our intro, <laughs> if you're lost, welcome. Or if you didn't read it when you clicked on this episode. Yeah, you're doing good. We got you. Welcome <laughs> welcome to the show. Appreciate being here. Kurt Geyer speaking. Eric Common. We have a... We're outnumbered. We are outnumbered. And uh, could be a problem. Depends on where we go with this episode. Joe's already giving me the side eye because I didn't like his trade show trout. Joe Humphries is in the building. Sitting in for Doug Schmidt. Yeah, how's that mic smell, buddy? It smells like Wisconsin cheese. Oh, Ooh. okay. Uh, All right, uh, I see what you did. Mm-hmm. Next in line, Mr. Greg Ritz, man. Thanks for being here. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate the trip out to the farm today. This yeah, is awesome that you're us. here. I feel like this has kind of been yeah. like something in the works since really the first time we podcasted with you, probably in, was it 2017? Yeah, ATA show. ATA, yep. Been a while. It has been. So thanks it's for... Cool, it's cool to watch your careers develop and Thank how many people you guys influence, positive or negative. Yeah, well, thanks, we man. got a lot to get into. I'm excited. Yeah, po- <laughs> I see what you did there. I got to be on my toes on this one a little bit. But no, nah, man, it was great. Got to go out and yeah. see your farm. We're going to break into it. Next in line, your, your I don't know what your title is. Uh, farm manager extraordinaire. Extraordinaire. Or, or the Dick of All Trades. Dick of All Trades. There I like it. And I don't know your last name, so I don't know how to properly give you the introduction. <laughs> Rob Kivala. I wouldn't have got that right anyway. No. Not, not <laughs> Most at all. people don't. Well, Rob, you've been great today, man. We appreciate you coming along. And, oh, I appreciate uh, you guys coming on. And yeah. you listened, and thank you for that. That means a lot. You actually listen to the podcast. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So that means a lot. Really, because it's just like, I'm like, oh, you do listen. You can tell when you tell us shit. You remember when Steve drank the, the cherry or the. Happy hour. The happy hour. Take yeah, a swig was, of it. That was like three years ago. That was, that was a long, long time ago. Time. And going around the corner, Mr. Daryl Cherry Seed Extraordinary. Extraordinary. Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> Always fun to be here. Seed you seem really excited, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, yep. What is thanks. your title? Uh, product Development and Operations. That's what Joe came up with and put on the card, at least. What's your title, <laughs> Joe? I- uh, if you look at my card, I think it says Director of Whitetail Growery or Antler Growery. Oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> Director of Sales Growery. As well. Okay, since we're doing this, Greg, what's your title? What do you What do you call yourself? The Hunt Master. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. There, there, right. There it is. Nice. It's all and, falling Daryl's the Seed Master. The Seed yeah. Master. Yeah. He's actually in my phone as Daryl, the Seed Guru. Oh, I like that. That's Frank Archie. This is the hunt master. I love that. So, <laughs> Mr. Hunt, Mr. Hunt Master. Well, I think let's just talk about our day and start there because that's going to roll into some great conversation. Absolutely. But Frank was with us today. Yep. And you guys were saying that he just calls he doesn't call you he just calls you the hunt master. The hunt master. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. <laughs> that's amazing yeah. now. Isn't that like his energy is almost like it's a, it's like there's no one else like him. He has a youthful energy that like makes you want to be happier. Like it makes you want to like like channel Frank's vibes. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. It's healthy. No, no. It's healthy always energy. positive. He's always positive. always. Yeah. So that's cool that he's like I'm with the hunt master. Man, we're, well, <laughs> well I, I was like after being there for two and a half or three days, he's like, guys, I'm at the hunt master's cabin. Like he's here. I drove his truck. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes everything in, don't he? I love it. Oh, it's awesome. I love it. So. Today, uh, we went out to your farm, and you gave us, like, the VIP tour, So, and we got to see a lot of the behind-the-scenes, and, of course, we did, I know we didn't get to see all of it, but you shared a few, like, <laughs> you want to see some cool stuff? Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah? Yeah, and, why, why wouldn't we? And, and everything you guys do, want, first off, 
it's like there's a reason behind everything you're doing. Like you're not just doing things to do them. Um, and probably this will probably be the better way I start this podcast. It must be nice to have all that stuff just handed to you, and you can just go and kill big deer, right? That's oh, how it works. Absolutely, handed hand down. Yeah, yeah, right. Generation after <laughs> yeah. after generation. TV hunter, right? the the one thing <laughs> The one thing that was handed down to me was hard work. That's right. Yeah. When I uh, when I was a young kid growing up, my dad said to be successful, he says son, you you only ever have to work a half a day. That's it, mm-hmm. half a day, and you will be successful in life. And I said I don't understand that. My dad was hard worker. He said, yeah, the first 12 hours or the second 12 hours. Oh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, that is a good one. And really, uh, you know, whitetail farming, managing the, you know, the food plots and what we do, habitat management, it's, it's endless. You guys, yeah. you guys do it yourself. The 40 we talked about, I mean, you have big dreams for that piece of property. Yeah, of course. It's 24 seven. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, obviously if, if people can't catch my sarcasm and, and your rebuttal to that, it's like, I'm obviously <laughs> kidding because the first thing I think is like, if people knew how much work and just time and money and effort and blood, sweat, tears, you know, the cliche things that everybody gets, but really you don't actually understand. You can't understand until you like go and see the process of it and what you guys are actually doing. And not, and it's not only just for big antlers, it's for the deer, the habitat and the everything herd. else that utilizes it. There's, you you guys definitely think big picture, and not just like this, uh, this TV hunter shallow mindset that people like to paint in their own imagination when because they're jealous. Yeah, it's right? it's it's personal to us. Yeah, right. Every every deer is like a child. So when that child goes missing, we try to find them. Mm-hmm. Right, and if if it goes from one year to the next year, what can we do better? How can we provide not only for deer, for turkeys, for quail that are on our property, for honeybees it doesn't it doesn't matter it's like how can we put something back instead of being taker so i want to be additive not subtractive Mm -hmm. there's a lot of hunters that go that go out there then and they enjoy the outdoors but they're subtractive and i want to give Mm -hmm. back more than i i take so we may harvest what maybe six five to six bucks off this property yeah right i mean last year was a few more but it was but we focused on the management, right? Box. Right. Yeah, we were just trying to push some of the older age. Class so, out. so, yeah. two, so basically, two quote unquote trophy deer. Yeah. Out of, out of all the box, the rest were were management. But fifty percent of my the rest of my buck herd, right, three and a half years and older, were harvested by hunters on adjoining properties, mm-hmm. and that happens every year. So I feel like I'm giving back to the bigger the bigger picture. Yeah, yeah, 100%. definitely. One thing I like too, like right off the rip, you were kind of like reconnecting. I, I guess I don't know the terminology. Basically, you're kind of like resetting the ground for like habitat benefit for wildlife from what like kind of the modern farmer is doing, which is pretty unnatural. Right, right. I mean, they're ripping up fence line. They're pushing in ditches. We have equipment now and technology that didn't exist 10 or 15 years ago. So right. how they farm is entirely different. And if they own an excavator, if they own a bulldozer, they're going to rip out that fence line. So what happens is you start having disconnected pieces of woods. So now you have these islands of wildlife that 
have to co that have to exist on their own, and they and they and those bloodlines can't be shared with one another. That coyote can't run from one block to another down a fence line, or that deer can't chase a doe, you know, down that fence line, and it's and it's not good. So I figure, well, I'm putting the fence lines back in. I'm putting the warm season back in. I'm trying to do things that were artificially removed, mm-hmm. and I understand it's, it's a business for the farmers. I don't I don't have any issue there, but if I don't have to play by their rules, like when we. St- start driving around the cabin i showed you all the tillable fields that we put in warm season grasses and tree yep. programs and things of that nature mm-hmm. and that's for the benefit of wildlife because that comes out of my pocket i don't get cash rent for that the right. government i receive no government subsidy on any of the wildlife stuff that i do really yep i'm not in crp programs and, and it's not that i'm against that i've been enrolled in other properties it's just that I, if I'm going to push the boundaries, I don't want to be put in a box. Right. I like, yeah, I get what you're saying. For sure. Right. Somebody's going to say, okay, you need to plant CP21. Well, suppose I don't want to plant CP21. I want to plant my own variety. And if I don't like it, I want to rip it up. Right. right? And if it doesn't work, I want to try something different. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like Daryl Seeds. If I don't like it, I rip it up. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, watch it. <laughs> if it doesn't grow, try again. Yeah. Great. That's right. Yeah. No, I like that. I like that attitude a lot. And I think it's uh, a lot of people probably don't think about it that way. They oh, just want to put whatever that's going to get them a check. And, and some people have to, you know, whatever. But um, I just like that mindset. It's like uh, it's a little different take. Like, I don't know if it's been covered that way in all the episodes we've done when it comes to, like land management. Like your your perspectives and analogies and like breakdowns on how to hunt deer, how to hunt mature deer, like your pyramid like mm-hmm. analogy you were making when we were talking. I'm like. It's a great way to structure like age class of deer and like what or you know deer in general and then age class within that which i do want to get into that too yeah. as we get going but um it's just a refreshing it was a refreshing experience in general to go around that property and like see what you're doing and why because yep. you went through and it wasn't like we just drove by a field and you're just like yeah don't worry about that field you know you're like oh here's what we're doing here here's our plan here oh down here this is what we're putting in we're trying this so and this is why yeah it was cool it, to like see it all step by step in the thought process and i like to you know some of it you like you were had logs that you're like we're not logging this for money we're logging this to basically for the deer's benefit and I, i'd love for right. you to break that down a little bit too, no no can. absolutely and you know and, and it's a building block and every year you learn something you didn't know before so and whether you learn that through trial and experience whether you learn that from talking with somebody else i mean i am truly blessed to be sitting in this room and in this industry so you think I have how many lifetimes worth of experiences, right? Doing what we do. Now you add that on top of my good friends, the Lakoskis, my good friends, the Drury's, you know, mm-hmm. my good friends, the Kiskis, my good friends, the Lindsay. Like, so th- there's a group out there that all believe in the same thing. And we talk all the time. Mm-hmm. So you get a tidbit here and a tidbit there, and then you try this and there's no solution to whitetails there isn't mm-hmm. there's always continuous improvement yep. there's always and, and we talked about this with this 40 that that you picked up mm-hmm. right that's personal too you'll never be done on 40 acres you'll never be done managing that wildlife yeah yeah for sure i like the way that's all laid out it is you're like a whitetail poet and you don't even know <laughs> <laughs> you are man it's you like know, the well, breakdowns make so much sense but it gets your brain ticking, but it, you know? but it does make sense because I'm poor, right? <laughs> so poets are poor, right? <laughs> so I, I, I spend every resource I have trying to figure out these whitetails, but yeah, 
But, you know, then you have people like uh, Joe and Daryl come out to the farm and they're pushing the envelope for seed technology. What's going to grow? What's going to germ the best? What's going to provide the best nutrition? What gives me a point of differentiation from my neighbors? Mm -hmm. And and we were honored because we have a lot of test plots. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of these, I'll be honest with you, all we're told is this bag is number one, right? So when you put this in, put a stake in there, says number one. Like, what's in it? Doesn't matter. This is <laughs> how you matter. plan it. That's <laughs> none of your business. <laughs> that's, not, that's none of your business. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, uh, plan it. Right. But they approach it the same way, right? How, how do we, because it's not about how to necessarily harvest an animal. It's what's right for the wildlife that in the full circle will provide you the benefit you know, of a magnificent animal. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. I love that. And, and that kind of ties in. So some people might be like big time. I mean, they're obviously know that we're all partners together and it's like, when we, we, like, we're talking today, we're like, we have like a lot of well, the same common partners. partners, you know, well, almost all of them really. Yeah. All the way down the line. Pretty damn cool. Yeah. So we just kind of like, I don't know. It's like, Oh yeah. I was making fun of a uh, Joe for not having loophole shades today because you forgot them. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe. And I was like, "Oh yeah, loopholes." Another let's go back partner. to the trout. Okay, okay, trout. Go to the trout. We'll get to the trout. We got a, we got a little bit of yeah. talking to do. But, <laughs> well, while until we make it to lunchtime. <laughs> but no, I just I do love the whole just your guys' mindset on it all and the passion. It's like you guys are telling us stories while we're going through this farm like you've never told them before, and I know you have. Oh, it's, but both of you guys, you know, like. You're showing trail cam pictures while we're riding the side by side. Like mm-hmm. you never told anybody about that buck before that right, story. Right. And it's you like, just tell you're so passionate about it. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing, awesome. man. Because it it's like so many people. I think. I mean, I think everyone that's at the level, we've surrounded ourselves with a lot of people that mm-hmm. like are truly passionate about it. But you can't like fake that type of passion. Like you can't. You, it would, no one would ever do it. It'd be a waste. Of complete. It'd be miserable if you're faking it. Well, at the end you of know? the day, you have to have the passion. Because, like, whether it's Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, every farm has corn, has beans. Some of them have clover. And you, you're you always thinking, we're always working, like, what can we do better on our piece mm-hmm. so the deer stay here? Or they want to spend most of their time here, right? Because, like I said, they can go over to your farm and, right. eat, and eat corn. like, And they're probably a lot of the same varieties or the beans. And they're all planted about the same time, so they're all usually the same maturity level. So what can we do on our farm to make it more comfortable? Mm-hmm. Deer don't know property lines. No. Right. They don't. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and and they're going to go where, I mean, just, I mean, they're, they're like us. They're going to go where it's more comfortable or where it's right. easier yeah. or yeah. it's safer, you know? So, I mean, even down, I mean, I don't know if we can talk about the, like the test we did with the clover, can we? I mean, you know, Daryl. Oh, you raised that, bro. Daryl's so like vaguely <laughs> concerned when he talks. He's but like, like I don't know. you know, I mean, having partners, having partners that are passionate as well. Like, you know, their foundation clover is by far from everything I planted the best. Yeah, nothing touches it. Yeah, you were breaking that down a little bit. You're like, and and he literally sent me two ingredients that are in the in the mix already that uh-huh. they sell. Uh huh. And he said, I want you to plant one variety here and one here, and let's compare it. Because if they like one more than another, then I'm going to tweak the ratio a little bit and give the deer a little bit more of that one. And so far in two years, I mean, we're starting to, I mean, it's not just, it wasn't a knee jerk like the first year. I'm like, Daryl, man, they like this one. He's like, 
let's just watch it, mm-hmm. right? Let's just see over over time and give it time. Shoot, we drove up on it yesterday, and there was three deer standing in one of the varieties and nothing in the other. And we literally got out, and he's on his hands and knees in there, and he's looking at this, and we're looking at all the beds and the yeah. browse pressure, and I mean, it's stuff like that mm-hmm. that literally. I mean, a mix that they know is already good. Right. What can we do to make it a little bit better? A little yeah. bit better. Yeah. I mean, that's, so, I mean, it's easy to, to be passionate and be good when you've got partners that are equally as passionate. Right. Yeah. It's motivating all around. It's like a motivational circle. It's like, dude, it's just the whole thing. It's just exciting. Like, like I just want to talk deer with you guys on land stuff, <laughs> you know, whatever. It's like, we're watching different implements you guys are losing I'm like well that's fucking badass look at that thing you know it's like you know it's just yeah like, we get some cool toys the whole thing yeah. is just fun but okay so you said something there it's like what can we do and i'm just gonna like i just want to randomly tackle some of this and just organically yeah. dissect it's fun so you said something there like what can we do on our farm because you're comparing corn and corn and beans and beans what do you do like what's the main thing or structure i know this is a very loaded question with a lot of different answers but I'm asking it that way on purpose because, like, what sticks out to you first? What do you do to make deer prefer your piece first over a neighboring piece, and then where do you go from there? So I want to make I want to make one comment before you jump into this, yes. right? I'm saying open forum, right? Yes. That how we do things doesn't make them right or wrong, and how we pr- promote the sport or engage in it. Hey, there's a lot of guys that just want to go out, have fun interact with their kids and shoot deer yeah go do it heck yeah. right my passion is is now growing you know passing a deer six and a half to get to seven and a half like how far can can we provide benefits to wildlife to get things to where their genetic potential that's just me like that's right. the engineering brain but if somebody just wants to go have fun Go have fun, yeah, right. And 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 I think we sometimes we get because we're in the tight group, mm-hmm. like we get overly obsessive. We're nerding out. We're nerding out, right? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Uh, so I do respect the people who keep it simple. And for me, aside from all of this, it's the memories, it's the sharing things, like retelling that story you said. Mm-hmm. You're right. I probably told that story a hundred times, and it's just as fun the hundred yeah. and first time. Yeah, right? for you sure. Know, be, because. I'm passionate. The people listening are, are passionate. But back to your question: If you looked at a piece of property, and I'm sure you guys, you probably went through this when you when you purchased your piece. Mm-hmm. What? Why do I want to buy this piece of ground? Why do I want to spend x tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars, right, to go into debt to make this commitment? And how do I know it's right? Mm-hmm. The number one thing that I look for, right is holding capability. Mm-hmm. I can make food. I can get a bulldozer. I can get an excavator. I can carve food out. Mm-hmm. It's a lot more difficult to create habitat. It's a longer process. It's not as diverse. It doesn't provide you the nutritional advantage that mother nature. So I'd rather have a farm like your 40 mm-hmm. that naturally comes with everything. And then I can carve that that up because I want the deer to live on me. I'm selfish. Right. Yeah, I, I, right. Yeah, but if you're like you said, if you're willing to spend that money for deer, you gotta you, be. You want it to be. I mean, yeah, you gotta be to a point. You know, it's like not that you think you own all the deer because we all know that's not true. But it's like, yeah, you want it to be as best as it can be for spending the money. Right. Re- re- well, you remember what I when I said when I when I bought the first farm, and uh, you know all these are building blocks. The first farm I owned was in Kentucky, sixty four acres. 
and it was like 800 bucks an acre, right? So every farm, then you 1031 it, and you build another farm, and you learn, and you start putting those pieces together. But one little trick that I've done for years now is I'll buy a farm, and then I try to section off the tillable, and then sell that to the farmer, with, and then I still get the hunting rights of that tillable, so then I can pay down my mortgage, right, on the habitat that I kept mm-hmm. to go buy another piece. Right. And by doing this, then the footprint that we were on is 2,000 acres. It's 1,000 acres of habitat and 1,000 acres of tillable. Because you're right, corn is corn, bean and beans, right? So I don't need to own corn and beans. Now, there's obviously an economic value to that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's not the differentiating factor between myself and my neighbor. If I build the best community for them to live in, where they want to go lay their head down and they feel the most secure, that's that's my focus is is the habitat piece. Yeah, that makes mm-hmm. a ton of sense, for sure. Yeah, like the the comments like you can make food. Yeah, it's like that stuff you can control after you. But yeah, it's much harder. It's a lot, it's a time investment. Definitely not an overnight thing. thing. Well, you go plant yeah. trees. How many years does it take for trees to grow? Yeah, or to become fruit bearing or nut bearing, you know? And then you get the layers in the woods. I mean, you're talking eighty years. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good. That's a good way to think about it. I want. Um, you said you sell the. T- you mentioned this earlier in the day too. You sell the tillable back to the farmer. Well, to the to to whatever farmers are joining me, or to the farmer that is willing to work with me on on my hunting strategies and my habitat. So I try to. So if I buy a piece, I try to identify the farmer then, and you know, hey, you know, it's a fair price, right? Whatever the appraisal is. But then let's say I have a fifty fifty farm. 200 acres, 100 acres of habitat, 100 acres of tillable. The tillable is probably going to be two or three times the cost of the timber piece. Mm -hmm. Right. So if I buy a farm for, you know, let's say, you know, $8,000 an acre, right? And I divide that in half and go, okay, well, it's $3,000 an acre for the the timber piece and it's $12,000 an acre or whatever, $10,000 an acre for the tillable. I sell that off. I dollar cost average that. Now I'm in this for you know, $1,200 an acre for that yeah. for the habitat piece. Yeah. yeah. Makes sense. So that it's just, just a way, uh, you know, making things work, make, making things work. Yeah. That's interesting. Very interesting. I'm surprised. Well, Austin's a farmer, you know, he, he wants tillable when he can have it, but I'm surprised that's not a tactic he's ever brought up. Maybe it's in his bag of tricks or something, but no, that's cool. That's really cool. That can make, you know, I never thought I'd ever own any <clears throat> ground ever. And, you know, I guess I learned, I, but I also, Austin has taught me a lot. I never thought about the factor of farms making money. If your house made you money, everybody would have a lot bigger house. Right. You know what I mean? If it made, if you know what I mean? If you could put your house in a CRP income and it made you a stack, everyone would live in like half million dollar houses. All over, I mean, maybe not, but you know what I'm saying? Never mow your grass either. That's right. Yeah. Good point. Okay. <laughs> your, your yard's paying you. Yeah. yeah. But, um. So I'm like, oh, wow, you just got to find, for me, I had to find a unicorn, and I, I got lucky and I did. A unicorn for me, one mm-hmm. word for me, and I got lucky. Um, right, be, right, because it's creating revenue by and still providing you the opportunity, and the other piece is you get the appreciation over the land over time, oh, yeah. right? So you may get maybe a 2 or 3 or 4% annual cash return on your farm based off of the income, which is the CREP program, mm-hmm. right? Um and then you, so then let's say it's 3%, and then you add another 3% over time that it's going to appreciate. Well, now you got a 6% annual rate of return over 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's pretty good. At the same time, 
I'm having fun. You're having right. a blast. Yeah, yes, exactly. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, you're living it up. It's like, you go on your own piece or like today, I don't know. We're all like just enjoying the ground in general. It's like something fun about it. Like, it's nice. It's, like, it's August and it's nice out today. You know? yeah. <laughs> it, it wasn't but, blazing hot out today. Yeah. But okay, going back to the complex, multi answered question that I asked, <laughs> I asked it very vague on purpose, but, um, and I'm an idiot, but I, uh, so I went with that. So, yeah, the cover holding capacity for deer. Um, what would be the next thing? Once you have that, obviously food, but you can control how you make your food and structure your food. But other than like the two obvious, is there some that you guys have seen that you're like, and maybe you don't want to give anything away? No, no, I don't. I don't. I saw. So the first, when I look at a piece of property, the the first is the habitat that I'm able to manipulate. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I mean by that is most of the time when you buy habitat, it's been poorly managed, if not managed at all. Right. So in other words, they haven't done TSI work. They haven't gone in and done a tree release program. A lot of people who own ground don't understand. It should not look like Sherwood forest. (laughs) Yeah. That is not healthy. Right. We're not growing dinosaurs here that can eat leaves 50 feet up in the yeah, air. There's no giraffes out here. Right? <laughs> there's, there's no not. giraffes. There's not. <laughs> so the, Trust me. The, the next piece is kind of what we talked on earlier, which is getting tougher and tougher. What does the neighborhood look like? How do other pieces of property interconnect with this one? Mm-hmm. You will never control all your deer. You can't own, we, you know, we're not Ted Turner, right? We're not going to go own 50,000 acres, you know, in Iowa. Right. In one solid block. Right. So you're always going to have neighbors and how, who those neighbors are and then how the wildlife interacts with those neighbors. Is my deer going to go to them, but I also want their deer to come to me. So, so when, when a doe has fawns, typically it's a, if it's a healthy herd, you have 50, 50 buck does and, and uh, doe fawns, right? Mm-hmm. So 70% of those bucks fawns, are going to leave the property. So think of it. 70%. 70%. Because this is Mother Nature saying, you shouldn't sleep with your sister. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to have that, actually. <laughs> Shout so, out to Mother Nature, huh? Right. right. <laughs> so, 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 so think about this, that the majority on the, of the bucks that you have, that you're growing, pursuing, growing, you know, that, that you're interacting with, were probably not born on your property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So whose property they were they born on? So understanding your neighborhood is as important as understanding your home. Right. Mm-hmm. Makes a ton of sense. Because the 70% born on other properties now are now going to trickle in from other people's property. Yeah. Okay. That's adding up. Yeah. I'm just like, this is fun to me. I just, <laughs> you doing okay, Joe? Yeah. Good. You need an Ignite? We have a Ignite oh, okay. on the table. If you use code WCB, you get another canister. I've had so many Ignites this week. Okay, just I mean, this is day what, four. I just want to make fun. sure you're having fun. I'm having a blast here. But What I just, was that code again? It's uh, WCB, Joe. And uh, if you want to use it, you look sleepy. No, I'm not sleepy. <laughs> just making sure, dude. Just checking. He's, just, been, I'm, he's I'm, been working hard this week. Uh, I'm literally just trying to sit in for Doug and not say anything at all trout. until the very end. <laughs> said about the trout. We'll get to the trout. Yeah, we'll he, get the trout He later. was eating the slumber gummies. Slumber yeah. gummies. <laughs> on the way here. On the drive here. <laughs> Sorry, Greg, that I interrupted uh, our great deal. I just want to make sure you're having a good time, Joe. I'm having a great time. I always have a great time. I know you do. I'm just I mean, sometimes, like, if Greg's, Greg's talking, he's just 
shut up and listen. Oh, because he's gonna yeah. get in your head. I know. I'm trying to keep. So I'm not gonna lie. I'm having. I'm being honest here. I'm having a hard time because I'm listening so much and then thinking about other things that I can't think of my next question because I'm processing. <laughs> so let me ask a question. <laughs> Something you just said a while ago about figuring out your neighbors and what they're doing and how they're doing it. What's the strategy of besides just getting to know them over time and what's the strategy for figuring out, okay, well, this is what this, this, this group of guys over here and this group of guys and, and so on, your surrounding neighbors, how do you figure that out? Great, great question. That's a good question. And there's, and there's two, there's two ways to look at this. One is Onyx. Okay. We can learn so much from Onyx. So you can understand how big are the parcels next to you, right? Are they local people? Are they, are they from Chicago? They're from Chicago. <laughs> yeah. Chances are they bought this as a recreational farm, mm-hmm. right? And if it's in an LLC, it's probably a professionally run farm. Mm-hmm. Like there's little indicators on on who the farm, the neighbors may be or how they operate. Okay. And obviously you can look for food plots, right? But the other thing is is understanding how the flow of of wildlife, you know, comes and comes and goes. And the other is observation. Mm-hmm. People forget old school. Okay, I love trail cameras. I don't know which ones that, that you guys are affiliated with. Mm-hmm. I'm Reconics, best in the world. Well, we, got, it out. we go Blackgate, and they're they're pretty damn good. Yeah. Probably the best damn. in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are. They it's, are. It's okay to be the second guy stepping <laughs> okay. on the moon, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Glad to have you. <laughs> Glad to have you. <laughs> but but, uh, so, but we tend to rely only on what we see and not what exists. Like, yeah. if, in other words, we line up all of these data points and go, that's the facts. No, that's the facts based off of what you know. You don't know right. what you don't know. And people forget, go out right now, right? It's perfect. Velvet season, beans, observe, like watch how wildlife moves, watch where deer congregate different times of the year. And that'll teach you as much as, you know, any other type of, uh, you know, artificial information that you can get. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Great answer. Good job, Daryl. <laughs> contribution no. no dude you're killing it man here's the co-host of this he's one. like i'm out <laughs> that, that is a good yeah. question though because i mean you you don't like you only know what you know right until you try to you well in in the in the other piece to that is so thinking down south like let's take this out of the midwest you know you can get down there in the pine plantations right so looking for different types of habitat you know, on when you go into Onyx or any to Google Earth, right? And to say, okay, well, here's a cedar thicket, here's deciduous forest, here's our evergreen area, right? And understanding where they live, the the deer do what deer do, mm-hmm. right? We overcomplicate it. They don't overcomplicate it. Sure, they're going to yeah. go to the first food source with the highest nutritional value that's safe. Okay. Let's mm-hmm. repeat that. They're going to go to the first food source with the highest nutritional value that's safe, meaning they'll walk three miles to stay safe, but they don't want to. Or they'll walk three miles to get high-value high food. And they'll walk past food, not that they don't nibble on the way, but they'll get to that destination, walk three miles back. So understanding you know, what you have and what the neighborhood has, and then it's a game of what's missing. So mm-hmm. if we put all these pieces on the table – Right, and we put the puzzle together. What piece is missing? And our goal 
is to plug in the missing pieces. Yeah. Yep. I love the equation of whitetails, man. But you're right. The mental game is like, yeah, we were making it harder than it needs to be, but damn, is it fun. It's mm. so fun. You know, it's You're fun. never, ever going to have it figured out either. I was going to yeah. say, Are as it? soon as you think you have them figured out, they're like, <laughs> see ya. Well, there's no, like we said this earlier, there's no absolutes in whitetail. Well, no. there's no absolutes in really any hunting, but especially like the whitetail game. Like, you know, if someone's super arrogant and making very broad, generalized, cocky, committed statements, it's like, I can't really listen to you. Right. <laughs> because well, in every area is different. Yeah. Right. So, yes. so I live in New Hampshire. I mean, I spend more days in Illinois than I do in New Hampshire. <laughs> Statistically, the worst place to deer hunt in the entire country. Uh huh. Okay. So we have we have sixty four thousand deer hunters, and we have thirty thousand deer. We have twice the number of hunters than we do deer. That's not Georgia. That's not Alabama, right? I mean, may the odds be with. You. May the odds. <laughs> so, so your expectation is, I'm not going to grow a 200 inch deer in, New, in New, Hampshire. New Hampshire, right? Not that one freak doesn't pop up, but mm -hmm. right. very, very rarely is a booner killed on an annual basis mm -hmm. in the state of New Hampshire. I mean, what do we have? Three on the farm last year. Three. Yeah. Really? yeah yeah last year right yeah, so last year. so you have to put things in perspective to what what is possible mm -hmm. and you you probably grew up hunting new hampshire i'm assuming that's where you cut i grew up in maryland grew up in maryland yeah because you had some you had a big buck from maryland and and i was kind of like maryland like i didn't mean just to come off negative i was like wow maryland yeah, yeah that's the state, state, and, state. Uh, <laughs> well, you know we we you know made the comment about observation because i think a lot of hunters today are not woodsmen yeah Right. Yeah. They don't understand trees. They don't understand shrubs. They don't understand patterns of, of animals. I'm, I grew up hunting public land. Mm -hmm. So across the street from me was 3,700 acre reservoirs of bow hunting only. Okay. And of course you're going, you know, you go back into the, to the eighties for bow hunting, you know, there yeah. weren't a lot of bow hunters. Right. And then I hunted George Washington National Forest in which straddles Virginia North, or West Virginia, mm -hmm. which is a million acres of timber. Wow. You want to learn to be a good hunter? Have somebody drop you off, which <laughs> which my which my mentor did, and be like, Okay, I'll see you at the end of the day. And we got we backpack in and we go spend ten days in a million acres of timber. It's not and even fun driving through that forest. No. On the paver. <laughs> right. right. No, 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 right. no motorized vehicles, no nothing. You, you learn to become a, a woodsman. And I think a lot of what we do now because of electronics takes away, you know, yeah. the, the skill. For sure. How, how long did you hunt in that area? How many years did you kind of like cut your teeth? on? 10 years. Really? 10 years. Did you did, like? Did you see a lot of deer? Did you kill a lot of deer? Like, what was like? So we, uh, so there were four of us that hunted together, and normally we would take one or two deer between the four of us, mm -hmm. and a good ten day run, we'd probably see six or seven deer. No kidding. So at that wow. time, were you guys shooting bucks, or was it just does? Or no, it was just bucks. Just buck. It was yeah. just bucks. Like, what kind of buck would come out of that area? That solid timber type. You area? know, a one twenty was a big deer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it was a big deer. Yeah, that's really interesting. I like. I just like kind of. There's on my agenda to get to some of this, but I just like we're kind of all over. But it's all right. Um, yeah, I just find that interesting. Yeah, because I feel like if you drop me off in that right now, like we'd probably figure it out. But I'd be lost for. Oh, it'd be, there'd be a... Uh, Four or five days, I bet. It'd be a hard kick in the 
it'd be a very hard transition. Yeah, we'd be like, but, you, but you know what? The, the principles are the same. Right. So when you get into big timber, yes, it's daunting. It's overwhelming. But then you start to see patterns form. And those patterns you see are, okay, here's a, here's a, a green briar thicket right here. And here's a line of deciduous trees. Oh, geez, I have an edge. Or here's a saddle right where these deer use topography to get to it. I mean, it's, it all still comes down to food cover water, right? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and obviously safety. They're going to need it eventually. Right. The beauty, the, the advantage I had was it had very little. I never, in the 10 years I hunted, I never saw another human being. Wow. <laughs> never saw another hunter. The hunting was that good there, hey? <laughs> <laughs> it must have been awesome. But the, it's also yeah, a million but, acres. But yeah. the, the reason I say that is the wildlife did what the wildlife does. Uh-huh. Right. So I wasn't hunting other hunters. I was trying to understand why wildlife does what wildlife does. And then once you start finding the tracks and finding where they bet, you know, you just put those pieces together. Yeah. Then when you go to the Midwest, you're like, oh, yeah. That's that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I find that so fascinating. It so, is. All right. You mentioned something too. This is also in my list. Um, edges. Mm-hmm. Edges got talked about a lot today. And uh, well, I, I Rob, use term, Rob's going to tell his story of of, of his uh, of his clover brassica edges. I'll, I want him to, and I love that story. <laughs> it's, I'm just like, whoa, really? But I I always say I use the term fringes. I probably should start using the term edges because it just it applies. It's it's a it, that ed, uh, edges spreads further than fringes. I think because what you were talking about, Rob, is not a ed, uh, fringe; it's an edge. Yeah, it's just. I mean, it's a hard line or a hard edge. Yeah. And, and I mean, we sat and we were sitting in a grizzly blind one night just because the wind wasn't right. And we're sitting there watching these deer and it was a six acre clover field. And I took two acres on the west side of it and I ran a tiller right through the mowed clover and uh, put a bunch of last stand in there. <laughs> what, what kind of clover was it? Um, what is it, Daryl? Oh, it's foundation. Okay, that's right. I'm sitting right here. He's sitting across from me. Come on. Well, I thought you were sleeping over there. No, I'm good. He's tired. Take a dry shot of Ignite, Joe, for the people. (laughs) The WCB community would want you to take a dry shot. I'll be back. I'm going to get some water to get Ignite. Keep him in line. (laughs) (laughs) You you did need it. I'm going to go do it. Okay. Bless your heart, Joe. Bless your heart, Joe. Keep going. Keep going. Welcome to the Don't worry. It wasn't like Antler King or anything. Oh. So, <laughs> I love it. Name drop and competitors. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, just a piss him off. Hey, you know what? We're honest here at the working class boat. Well, maybe that's why I tilled it up. Um, but <laughs> okay, so let's <laughs> stop it right here. <laughs> yeah, right. Everybody, cut it out. <laughs> I love so, it. So, so I run the tiller and I make this line, and I actually made the line to connect to two stands. Mm-hmm. Okay, and and just because in in past experiences I've seen deer use these edges, and everybody thinks, well, an edge is a, a is is a tree line mm-hmm. or border line or mm-hmm. something, and and I've seen where you don't literally a line in the sand is enough. So we ran this edge, and and we had a drought last year, so our I mean our food plot struggled. I mean we only had brassicas that were two three inches tall. And we were sitting in the blind, and we're watching these deer come, and they're feeding through the clover, right? And it's and this section's about four acres, so it's been a big clover field. Mm-hmm. And they literally hit this edge where it was tilled. And, I mean, I'm not kidding. 
and he can back it up. They literally turn and go either north or south, and they walk that the killed edge. line. Like there was an electric fence there. And like all it was is literally fence. just, it was a transition. I mean, like the brassicas are up like two inches, and the clover's probably an inch. Yeah. And, and But it was, to them, it was a line or an edge. It was and, just enough to make them. Right. And, and it was it wasn't just one it was over and over and then we would see a deer come out on the north side of the field and it would walk the tree line down until it got to that tilled edge and it would walk right down to us that's really I mean, interesting. crazy it is crazy a little it's bit insane. You know? well i you know i know they're fringe animals and i think that's interesting like finding what could work as a fringe or an edge and like big timber like you mentioned because yeah. i know a lot of listeners we have a lot of people right in that hunt big timber tracks and that's I find that interesting. It's like yeah, you're looking for terrain features in something that doesn't seem like there's a lot of terrain, or maybe there is, but you have to like kind of more pinpoint it because it's not like an opening and a gate pinch point or a fence line edge. You know what I mean? I just find that interesting. It's like it can be so subtle. Yeah. So, so how subtle. to look for the subtleness of right. like what can be, I, I guess, terrain. Right, that affects deer movement. Right. I guess if it affects deer movement, I mean, it can movement, be. I, I mean, it that. can be one tree species to another. Really? You know, like, I mean, we've got a lot of, like, bush honeysuckle or autumn olive or Russian olive, whatever you want to call it here. And it could be, you know, like in a nice hardwood stand, oaks, black walnut, and all of a sudden there's a there's a handful of bush honeysuckle just kind of lined up. And they'll use that edge. Mm-hmm. And it's... So, so, I mean, so, so here, here's, a, here's a great analogy. I think anybody who's managed property will understand and I showed you guys this here to, to a little degree. When you go log a property, they have to create skitter trails, yeah. right? They So they got to create roads through your timber to go pull the trees out. Right. If you hang a camera on that road, you'll get the deer. Would you have hung that camera on that tree prior to logging? Probably not. Probably not. Nope. <laughs> Damn it, you guys are good. <laughs> <laughs> because, okay. because you you are you artificially created a, tra- a, a travel corridor that their brain. So, so now I'm going to put it in Kurt terms. Okay, okay, yeah? please do, please do. <laughs> right. So, be uh, so when we went over, yeah, be gentle, yeah, be like gentle, brain. Hey, hey we're, yeah, remember we're still on dial up. You're over here on freaking oh, fiber oh, already. You're over here on Elon Musk, whatever <laughs> the hell he's got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Neuralink. So, so that Helger mice getting inside your ear, right? Yeah, now. yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yeah. The uh, so when we went over to, to Savannah's Cove and Joe was running the tiller, mm-hmm. and uh, and you're like, God, that's so satisfying. Yeah. To watch. Why was it satisfying? Because the lines, yeah, it, it, it makes your brain happy. Makes your brain happy. You think it makes deer's brains happy when they see a line? It's they're 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 animals of they're animals of pattern. So in a way, yeah. yes, for sure, makes their brains happy. Right. If it makes my brain that happy, <laughs> then deer definitely, like, damn, different. that looks good. I mean, look at how many. <laughs> there was like eight people standing there today, and we're all watching a tractor go two miles an hour <laughs> with dust boiling out everywhere, and everybody's just like staring at the lines <laughs> and the dimples the cultipackers yeah. making. We're yeah. always like, oh. yeah, it's oh. like uh, you're just a bunch so of nerds. I know. Right. All right. So let's say we have a big soybean field. Okay. Okay. Late season. You know we. Two acres, three acres, and we're bow hunting. Mm-hmm. How do I get that deer in front of me? 
a big soybean field. Right. So I got I got a two acre soybean field bought from the farmer. I planted. How do I get that deer within bow range late season? You could create an edge by mowing through it. Mow to your stand. You got it. Wow. You just answered your own question. I need a buzzer. (laughs) 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 Nice. But but see how the thought process works. Like once you get keyed on, once you observe something and then you try to problem solve saying, oh my gosh, they're always coming out. I don't know whether they're coming out of the east side or the west side. Depends on the wind. How am I going to get them? They're not within bow range. Oh, I just manipulate it. So I'm glad I answered that right. But I also were you scared that you weren't? Well, no, I was trying to see like if he was trying to get me to answer a certain way or not. I got my own head like you do on a scan. If there wasn't a scantron on test, I would have I would have still failed. But that doesn't matter. <laughs> Let's talk about something else. But I'm I'm getting. But I do do that. I think. But I guess I didn't think about it in the the deeper level. Like my buck brunch plot that I put in yesterday morning. I have uh, from the west side. I have an entryway that I tilled in to the to the southwest corner of the plot and then i have an it's it's still i call it the exit but it could be an entryway too on the other side in the southeast side of the plot that comes out towards one of my stands that i'm going to hunt on the correct wind and um, so i'm hunting off the plot and i'm hunting off the plot on artificial edges that i made yep and i guess i just never i knew what i was doing but i didn't think about it almost in the the level up that i probably should have been mm-hmm so a lot of it for me is I think a lot of guys are scared to admit this um, in hunting in general is I will always admit that guess and check is how I've gotten my results in deer hunting. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of people um, probably don't want to admit that they don't know that they're guessing to see the result, which is what you should do probably. But um, I guess and check. That's how I deer hunt. Mm-hmm. And so I guess I was guessing checking but not realizing, oh, I'm creating artificial edges here. But, but, but instinctively, you know what you're doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, b- based off of being on the ground and based on your own observations, maybe you didn't process it mm-hmm. in your in your head. But It always yeah. sounds like a good idea. Yeah, but, but you were... I mean, another way to visually think about this, and again, kind of going old school, is if I want that... You'll appreciate this, Joe. So so now we can get you to... Hey, if, I, if I want oh, that Joe's deer here? to I didn't step, realize Joe to was step in here. that Connor Bear trap... Thank you. For okay. This. Go ahead. How, how do you how do you do that? If I wanted an animal to step in a trap, how can how do I know where to put the trap? Mm-hmm. You manipulate him to go over there, right? Or or through observation, or, or, or you know, work, work with what? Right. Just saying. At least somebody's paying attention. Totally there. redeemed himself. Right? <laughs> I, I totally gave you a softball, and you're like, huh? How would I do that? <laughs> You think he wants you to go deeper? <laughs> this is this is what he always does. Like, like, hey, hey, remember, I warned I warned you guys about this no, earlier. I will gladly seem like the <laughs> dumbest dude in the room as long as we're podcasts talking about fun shit. This right. is great. No, this I love it. It's the thought process of whitetails that's what makes it so damn fun. Yep. But yeah, it's like okay, I I know the edges I'm creating because I did that with uh, like I'm talking about. Um, you had a, a really good set example of getting a deer to come out further. You created, you extended your edge. Mm-hmm. So let's stay on that topic. And you put, uh, I believe, switchgrass in this right. example. Warm season grasses. Yep. Warm season grasses. I did that um, with some consultation with Austin Chandler. So my plot last year, which was, uh, I think, 
Buck Brunch in this spot. It's now main event this year. It was just a round, a round bulby type shaped plot. And it went from that because deer would just mill out there and never get to my grizzly blind where I set it. Because where I set it's where I have it because I have it on like uh, four by fours, you know, whatever. So, all right, long story short, what we did is we elongated the plot so the deer moved past the blind instead of like feeding out. And then what was my plot, I took half of it and we drilled it in with borderline. So that borderline's like probably six foot tall right now. And the idea is that instead of cutting that natural edge where like the hedge and all that, you know, junk and bush honey You created that, an edge. I created a further edge. But I I knew doing that what I was doing, but I just didn't think about it in the I guess technical terms of like, oh, I'm extending the edge to alter their movement. So it's like I'm doing it and, and Austin helped me do that, but I guess I didn't think like a layer in further of like the real benefits that it's probably going to have for my plot this fall. That if that does that make sense? Yeah, I, I'm trying I, to explain it. No, absolutely. It's do you want to play checkers? Or do you want to play chess? That's right. Right. So once you learn how to play chess with deer, there are times that you move and your times you get your opponent to move, and you just have to decide who's playing what hand. Yeah. Well, see, that's what I kind of did too. And so if I have a big oval acre plot. Well, this year. Right where my blind is, right down the center, I play a borderline. So now it's two half acre plots. So of having their me meandering out in one big acre, why not split it up into two? Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that that accomplishes is that deer can now, if he's on the east side, let's just say it's it's an oval, yep. east to west. If he's over in the timber on the east side, he can stand in the timber and he can see every deer that's in that plot. Yep. Now by putting that that line down the middle he's got that forces to him to either come out in the plot or it forces him to come out of his comfort zone and come around maybe with the wind at his back and and then all of a sudden you see him now you know he's there yep you know i mean i mean how easy would it be for him to be 60 yards back in the timber you never know he's there but he can see everything that's in going on plot mm-hmm. yep. yeah So how many times have you guys had a guest in your 587 podcast? In there somewhere, yeah. In there, right, a lot. We're we're losing track on how to count. Somebody says, oh, you know, what do you you plant? Man, I plant my greens next to my greens. We've all heard that, right? Yeah. Why do you think it works? You created a transition. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't wasn't that one was better than the other, right? Or wasn't that, oh, my gosh, I created this magical buffet. Yeah. It's No, you just created a transition point. Yeah, another thing too, like talking about that, like how you plant. You mentioned something. Your in your more inner plot was a different blend from big time versus Correct. your outer plot because as the season moves on and food becomes more sparse, it moves the deer into the center of your farm. Right. So the so the later the season gets, and I want to consolidate my deer into areas, I'm going to plant plant main event. Right, because the main event, which I mean, it's a great year-round blend, but where it really shines is towards the back half of the season, right? So if you go take lockdown, and I'm planting that on the on the outside, when that starts to turn out, when they start to eat that down, then they're going to go shift more to the main event. So it's just not what's going to grow here or how much forage is it going to provide. It's what when do I want to hunt these deer and where? And I think a lot of people, they don't think about the season, you know, in the Midwest, it's pretty long, October 1st to January. Mid-January. Mid-January, right? 
so there's 13 phases, right? Yeah, there's 13 <laughs> phases. Yeah. Yeah, I like what you did there. there Shout out to Mark and Terry. Yeah. yeah. So what, whatever number of phases there are, there there's definitely a, a transition pattern um, that occurs in them. And so you need to provide for them during that entire spectrum. Take it another step. You need to provide 365. Mm-hmm. These deer that, yeah. always need to eat. Mm-hmm. Just like us. There's a red dot on that camera. Yep. I'm always paranoid because I can't see that far. Yeah, it's recording. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. I'm always worried about it. But no, it's great. It's great to think about that stuff and appreciate the jury shout out. Um, it's just, it's stuff that it makes so much sense, but you don't think about it until it kind of gets put into your brain like that. Like, th- does that make sense a so, little so, bit? So take your, your piece, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think, I think your 40 acres is new enough in your brain, which I'll put you over shot 150 inch eight pointer on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So it's not that new. Yeah. It's, I'm happy. Get right. It. Yeah. <laughs> are, are those deer going to stay on your farm all year long? Or are they going to have to leave your farm in any given period because you're not providing something to them? Mm-hmm. So they're for sure going to leave. Yes. And I know what I can provide. It's grains for sure. And a lot of other stuff too. And it'll evolve over time probably in my thought process. Like, shit, they need this. They need this. And yeah, that's that's the fun of it. Like, I think some people might be like, man, that's a lot of work. But you fall in love with the other process. Like kind of where you kind of you kind of explain to the, you know, some people just go out nonchalantly and just want to shoot a deer and whatever, they don't care. But you fall in love with the process of all this. Like the strategy, the nerding out the farm equipment like it's yep. all like a, a circle so yeah you gotta love it for sure but yeah definitely i'm gonna evolve with that and be like okay i need to try this or do this like i hunted it last year what i would consider it as raw i didn't i got it as is i didn't have a lot of time to do much with it and i want and really my objective was going into it i don't want to do anything yet and not understanding how the deer are naturally using it and that was my Smart. thought thought going in and uh, I talked to Joe about this too. And I had, it's nice because in Illinois, it's so political for, for me, properties I have. It's like, I don't get to take people on the properties I hunt because it's just you and you only sign this way, you know, that type of politics. But on my farm, I can take anybody I want with me and get second opinions. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've had Lee and Austin out there. I need to, Doug and Eric haven't been out there yet. We got to make nope. a point, just go look at it. It's close enough. And um, they're both like, that's where you could put your plot. And it's just like center of my farm where I think the deer spend a lot of the time, the way it lays out. And uh, that's where I put my buck brunch plot this year. I mowed in a plot, sprayed it, tilled it up yesterday. And I'm like, wow, like this is just like satisfying. So satisfying when you, yeah. And I took when you roll our, over our good it. friend, Andy Bushek out there with me, helped me do, do all that, seeded it and all that stuff. And we pulled in there because it's kind of hidden. It's secluded in its own spot. I watched him go, dude, <laughs> this is pretty awesome and i'm like okay that i feel i feel extra good now watching his reaction of <laughs> like i've already had it mapped in and kind of hardened my 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 edges mm-hmm. of my plot and to see him a guy who's a big buck killer and experienced hunter be like yeah i think this is gonna be good we're making up we're making bets he's i'm oh, not boy. making a bet with you on this one <laughs> well the other thing <laughs> you can do with that buck brunch is add some foundation clover with it when you plant it that seed's gonna hang out there yeah uh, it, i mean it's it's if if we get a good fall that's got some moisture and some and a little bit of humidity, that clover's going to germinate a little bit. You're probably not going to see it because it's going to be shadowed out by the brassicas and everything else. But come spring, 
it's there. First thing to pop. Ooh. And then okay. and then it's there all summer long. I mean, we do that with all of our fall plots. We never heard this before. At the very least, oh, man, the at the very <laughs> least, yeah. you can go back out in the spring or early, late winter and frost, frost seed. Right. Yep. Frost seed. It's, it's, so it's waiting. You know, to yeah. Rob's point, I think to me, if it, it, it takes adequate moisture, but um, starting a, a, a per, any perennial plot is the, the best time is the fall, so that you've got an established plant going, and then oh. when you when you you know, it's frost seeding, you're still relying on it to start from seed. So it's starting. Mm-hmm. So it's got to hurry up and try to run before you get to the dog days of summer. And, you know, hopefully you've got oh, okay. a root. But like to Rob's point, if you plant it in the fall with some type of nurse crop, whether it's buck brunch, whether it's brassicas, whether it's oats or yeah. you know, wheat or whatever, now you've got, it, it's it's already ready. So right. what I establish should yeah. I because I for sure want to do that. Would I wait for that buck brunch to start growing first, or could I just go I'd now? I put it in right now. Yeah. Okay, I put it in right I now. Will, or or it. like in the next like in the next week, you see a rain coming, just get out before it and just broadcast it, and it'll oh, okay. just hang out there. But you can mix okay. it right in with the buck brunch. I, mean, I and do. spread it with it. I do. Let me ask you guys this. Mm. So I'm curious on this because I thought about doing this, but I was unsure. And Austin might have put a, a, a bug in my ear here, and I don't know if – I'm not saying that he's wrong, but it's something to consider. So I have, like, paths around what my the program my farm is in, and there's a path there just south of where my plot is that runs the whole north border of my farm. And I wanted to just do that whole thing in clover. Yes. But, but here's – so <laughs> I wanted to do that, and I love that direct answer. Cause yes. That, that's what I want to hear. But I was told that, well, you're giving them so much food that you're going to um, not be able to concentrate them to the plot you're wanting to hunt when they could be feeding down that row on the west end when you're on the east end when you want to get them to focus yes on the plot. Yes and no, but the stuff you're planting in your plot is going to be better, more palatable at that time of the year. Okay. You know, Just but, like Greg said, it'll travel three miles to get to the right. better Right. But, okay. but also, food. what are your goals? I want... As much food as possible on my farm is my thought with that. So, no, no, no. Your goal was probably you want the deer's time to be the highest percentage on your farm and not your neighbor's. That too. That, you know, I guess that ties into the same thing for sure. Right. So, do you remember our story about the racetrack? Yeah. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and that's what got me thinking about this because it would be a way different structure, but similar concept. Right. But yeah. we have we just on the west side of the farm we have six miles of foundation clover. That's twenty feet wide. Six yeah. mi- six miles of of edge all the way around. So yes, the deer the deer can come in and out of the woods, and they can get what they want. So in in Illinois we we have one arm tied behind our back. Yes, right because we cannot provide mineral and we cannot supplemental feed. So we are at a disadvantage. And that we can have that conversation on and on and on, and would love to understand the powers that be here that don't understand how to manage wildlife, <laughs> yeah, yeah. like other progressive states. But so, therefore, to counteract that, we have to plant something, right, that helps provide proper nutrition year round or multiple things and habitat improvement because we can't supplement, we can't go. We can't artificially make up for what Mother Nature doesn't provide, so we got to go figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. And clover's king. All right, 
Well, well you know what? You heard it here first, people. I want to need some clover, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, you know, uh, you know, I mean, Daryl will probably back this up. On those roads and those trails, use their clover select. Mm-hmm. It's got a little chicory in it, right? Yeah. Give them a variety. Yeah. Give them a variety. I mean, all of our all like of our grain corral. plots, right? I mean, yeah, we do a ton. I mean, what did we put in the last couple of days? Like close to 30 acres of, mm-hmm. of fall 32, plots? 32, 33. You know, I mean, that's that's a lot of fall plots. And mm. we still have a handful left okay. um, in those unmarked bags that Daryl won't tell us what's in it. We still have to put some of that Secret in. We're just seed. waiting for a little better conditions. But yeah. even, our, even our bean plots and our corn plots, they have a 20-foot ring of clover around them. Yeah, yeah. And we'll watch every, I mean, literally, you can come out to the farm this fall and sit in a blind and watch. Almost every deer will come out of the timber, and they will eat in that clover first for a while. They'll come out in the grain, and almost all of them, when they exit, will grab a couple mouthfuls of that clover, and back in the timber they go. Damn it, you're selling me pretty easily on this one, boys. I'm going to arm twist it. So let me ask you this. I'm going to put, I'm going to do that front uh, row and clover. What should I till that whole row and cultivate and seed it and cultivate it and all that with the clover? Or like, is that something I could just broadcast, like you said, this winter or this fall on that? Because it's it's pretty. Well, I, you've, you've already, are you talking about a new stand or are you talking about where you put the boat, bro? The path. The like path. The, the north path. Um, like, would I you till that all up? I'm going to say if it's a path, you've probably been driving on it and, this, and so on. So it's probably compacted and all. Yeah. So the better the seed bed, the better, you know germ and, and, and stands you're going to get so yeah i would maybe it doesn't have to be burying your disc yeah but you need to get it down a few inches so you, you know that clover it, you know clover is a perennial so it's not going to have the energy coming out of germ that uh, an annual will because it's going to be you know marathon runner versus sprinter yeah right, it's yeah. going to be you know spending as much time developing roots as it is which is why you're not to rob's point while ago you're not going to just get this Boom, you know. Yeah, yeah. You know, especially on your, the perennial components of the foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, so yeah, I mean, the better you, pr- the better the seed bed, the better better off, opportunity yeah. you're giving that seed for success. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just got to realize how enjoyable tilling is because I just upgraded mm-hmm. tractors <laughs> and I went from like a twenty horse tractor with a tiller that just rattled me off the damn thing to a thirty five horse tractor with a, a good you know name brand bush hog tiller, and I'm like. All right, here we go. And I put the tiller down in the dirt. I'm like, is oh, he even running? This is quite enjoyable. <laughs> this is a different experience than I had last year. So, so fun. Uh, so yeah, I'm just like looking for stuff to till. I guess let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, so why is clover king? Because ooh, I, I got to not think too deep about this because everything eats it, <laughs> and it's easy to grow, and it comes back. And Daryl <laughs> likes it. What's he the right answer? Daryl Darryl told me to. Plant it, so that means it's good. <laughs> it is 365 days a year of food. Okay. But let's go deeper of why. Okay. So if I plant an oat, right, or if I plant a corn or I plant a bean, okay, it has one cycle. It times out. Mm-hmm. That oat matures. That animal eats the oat. Okay. Word on. The beauty of clover is it's regenerative. Mm-hmm. So one of the keys to have a great clover stand, one of the keys to keep deer coming to it, is you got to promote tissue growth. You got to mow it, tonnage and right. So, so the more the more frequently you mow it, okay. Number one, you can reseed itself too, right? You go let 
thirty percent of your plot start to and it's spread and it spreads by rhizome, so you've got a double you know benefit there of how it can expand itself. Mm-hmm. Correct, but it's that new tissue growth that they're attracted to. A lot of guys will have clover, but they won't go mow it. They won't maintain it. Now, there's certain times a year. Obviously, it's drought conditions now, so you don't right. you don't want to set the the plant back. But yeah. in, in good growing conditions, you have 365 days if you properly maintain it. So that yeah. tissue growth, when it's growing, is it is, has its highest value of protein at that time. And the deer, and it's the most palatable and digestive to the animal. Okay, when you when you mow your clover, I've always wondered this because I this is how I have a small clover plot, and the the famous mud seeding plot mm-hmm. that you sent me a new seeder <laughs> over because I'm an idiot. I was, um, I was embarrassed. You were embarrassed for me. <laughs> yeah, I bought you a seeder for it. Hey, it worked <laughs> in my benefit. It I worked. Thought, I thought but it to great. Greg's point, way earlier in the podcast. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Think about the laughs and the joy. I don't know how the plot ended up turning out. Amazing. I could think fall about the laughs and, and the joy that awesome. you got out of it. It was not perfect. It was not proper. Yeah. Nothing was right about it, but you still got a plot. You're still talking about it today. You're still laughing about it today. So yeah. it's just constant fun and joy and yeah, you know, sure. that it's the memories that you've made 100%. over something you didn't even get right. I actually killed my biggest bug ever in that plot. That makes me happy. But um, I, I remember those calls, though, because you're like, dude, it, was like, it's not frosted. It's not frosted. I was like, just get it in the ground. Yeah, it's just mud, you just, know. Just like, throw it in. So when I go in, so it did grow up, and it surprised me because I'm like, you could fall, you could trust fall into that clover, and it would catch you. <laughs> That's how thick it is, you know. And I go in there, and when I mow it, I'm like, oh, I'll pull my mower way up and just mow, like, the tops of everything off. Okay, so when you mow clover, how are you supposed to mow clover? Because I can't be the only dude listening that is really wondering, how the hell are you supposed to mow your clover plots? Okay, this is what works for us on on our on our farm. Okay. When, the, when we're having, having normal moisture, okay, I'm mowing every 7 to 10 days. And this will get in an argument with the guys that say, oh, you got to let it get up. Now now you got tonnage. Okay. We've done studies with cameras, and I told you guys about this earlier. Literally put four Reconyx cameras on video and cross shoot it to watch what the deer do. And when it's mowed 
tight every time. And 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 if it's normal moisture where I know it's going to rebound because clover is literally will outpower anything. Mm-hmm. I drop the, the the bat wing as low as it'll go to where I'm not digging the dirt. Okay. Yeah. So I mean it's short because it suppresses the grass, it suppresses the weeds. So if I can suppress that stuff and I don't have to spray it, because I also notice when I when I have to spray it, the deer tend to stay out of it mm-hmm. for two three days because it doesn't taste good. Right. So if it's normal moisture year, I'm mowing every seven to ten days, and I'm mowing it short. Wow. Okay. And and when we did these tests, you know, because because Greg actually asked me, he's like, man, do you think we're mowing too much? And this is the stuff we go back and forth all the time on the farm. Like he's like always in control and, and asking me and we're bouncing stuff back and forth. And I said, well, let's find out. Mm-hmm. So I mowed it, put a camera on it and we're watching it, watching it, watching it. And all, all through that first, first bit after that, after that mowing, when that clover was growing, the deer were just flocking to it and their heads literally never come up because they're eating, 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 especially in the spring when the does are lactating. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you want them having the best food then because that's healthier fawns. Of course, yeah. And then as that clover was growing and getting higher and higher and higher, it's getting a little more fibrous. The deer numbers dropped by about 70% in that plot. Whoa. They were going somewhere else to eat. And the deer that were walking through were just kind of maybe grab something nibbling here, a little bit and just something here and it's like oh man dude i gotta go i gotta mow my <laughs> you gotta go mow your clover so so i mean this went over i mean we literally did this for like two years and then you know all of a sudden they go back in and i mow it and you watch the cameras and like that the deer are back in it and every one of them their heads are down and I mean, I got videos and pictures so where dumb. there's like 10 to 12 <laughs> deer in the picture at one time and they're all eating it. And it's like, okay, well maybe it was like an anomaly. Let's, let's yeah. go to another clover plot. Yeah. Let's try it there. Same thing. So, wow. you know, yeah. I mean, there is that argument that if you let it grow and it gets to be a foot tall, which their clover will do yeah. and flower out. I mean, it's crazy. Like you said, you look like you can swan dive into it. Yeah, you can trust fall that clover. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You can okay. trust But you know what? What, <laughs> what good yeah. What good is having all that tonnage if they're not eating it? Right. right. No, that makes perfect sense. Damn. Well, guess what I'm doing? Yeah, we're learning oh. a lot of shit today. Yeah, I love so, this, man. So, oh. Darrow, I have a question for you. So this is a thought that I've had, but I don't know scientifically if this actually happens. When you mo- so if you have an established clover plot, Okay, so you have a very good interlocked, uh, you know, seed system out there, root system for the clover. When you mow it, does the clover feel like it has to rebound to recover? Like it grows faster because you set it back, so it feels it's got to grow. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, that's a survivability. I mean, it's a survival technique that it's got to get back up. You know, uh, you know, obviously. So the rate, so the rate of, of growth is higher based off of mowing because it, it, it the survival you set it back survival you set it back because those those roots are established yeah okay as long as there's obviously adequate the, moisture and and you right, know, your right, moisture right. The, it, that, that was the key that rob touched on like mm-hmm. you can't just go out there and scalp it mowing a drought a drought yeah right. right for sure i mean what did we say we've had 14 inches of rain here since january 1st I've got clover plots, and like I said, now I normally mow every seven to ten days. I have clover plots that I've mowed one time this year. Ooh, 
because if you mow it, it's so delicate right now, it'll literally smoke it. It'll so at least now, off. you know, the I mean, the deer aren't pounding it like like normal, right? I mean, they're just spread out, just trying to find anything they can find with moisture in it right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so dry. Um, but you just, it, it's so delicate. Yeah. But I mean, man, when, when we got a normal year, I mean, the protein and the food they're getting, yeah. it's just, it's epic. Man, I'm Greg to your to that question too. I mean, if you're, if you're keeping it cut so much. frequently is what Rob's talking about. You know, you, there is a level of, you can somewhat train a plant. If you just keep cutting it low, it's, it's gonna, you know, grass is the same way you're going to start it's going to start going this way because you're you're, you know it's kind of like well you keep suppressing me this way right i gotta my my, i'm here to grow so i'm going to go this way right but i think the main reason that you know to rob's point is you know is it the is it the height growth that you want to see this the trust fall clover or do you want to (laughs) see the new growth that's the most palatable that they're going to get the most out of. And, you know, we talked about this a lot this week, um, as far as you know, talking to Frank about it and stuff like that, trying to explain to him about, you know, how they liked it, you know, and one of the easiest comparisons to me, at least in my brain is you think about deer going out in a soybean field, they're nipping the tops. They're not yep. eating down, yep. you know, at the bottom. Yeah, the newest the, tissue. Yeah. I mean, that's what they like. They yeah. like tender yeah. growth. Just like browse in the woods, I, you know, you guys went into your new, your kind of cutout place today, and you were explaining about how much food is here now that's natural browse and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Well, as a you know, especially in a droughty year like this year, the spring you'll get a lot of you'll get a lot of pressure off of your plots because there's so many so much food tender buds and stuff. So the deer have got a lot of natural browse, so they'll. It'll, it'll allow your clover to jump. It'll allow, you know, things like that. And you can kind of get some maturity on your clover, especially if it's a new plot, before you get into the, you know, worst times of the year. Yeah. But as that forage moves on through the year, it's going to become more fibrous. It's going to be more woody. Another reason why you don't, you know, you hear us say that don't plant your plots too early because then by the time that it's go time, when you really are trying to, hunt them and you want them in your plots well now you've got tougher fibrous plants like rob said while ago this clover is not gonna it's just not will they eat it yeah at the same rate probably not Mm because it's not you know as as palatable it's not as soft it's not you know it's not gonna have the same when it's you know when it starts sending off flowers all the energy of that plant and the leaves is holding all the water it's going to go, I mean, think about it when you pick a clover out of the field and you lay it down, come back five minutes later and there's, it's nothing. Right. You know, Shriveled it up. shows you how much moisture is in that, the leaf in the stem of that plant. And mm-hmm. when it, when it goes to, you know, when you, if, it, if you're letting it grow up and you're not keeping it mowed, um, you, you know, it's going to go to flower. So now you're taking the energy out of the plant, put it in the flower. So it's even going to be less palatable to the deer because you're not going to have the the leaf structure you're not mm-hmm. going to have big fat leaves you know yeah. you're going to have i mean you can literally go out there and look at a clover that's got a flower on it and you can see the um i was showing frank some brassica plants yesterday and chicory plants uh over at the barn that while we're where we're working and you could say a chicory plant and it was really the best example i've been able to show him 
ones that had shot up and you know were flowering you know trying to seed the leaves you know you know what a chicory i mean it can be as wide as your hand and it was about like that mm -hmm. or smaller but then there might be a plant right you know foot over that hadn't gone and it's that big fat nice leaf um so I mean, you know, there's a lot of factors that are taking the palatability down mm -hmm. um you know there's some arguments about whether it takes the nutrition value down and you know we talked about that and i don't really want to get into that just because it might touch oh, we can talk people. for hours on clover <laughs> yeah. alone so <laughs> yeah. but you know i, I you know there's, there's a moral of the story clover's king there's it is king it is the as long the as of new growth and key, if you're you know to like greg's been saying the whole time don't give your deer a reason to go somewhere else and have to look right yeah. the biggest thing with the clover is making sure your lime or your ph is on point yeah because if your ph is off it's it doesn't taste good to them and yep. it's not pulling the you know it's not pulling the nutrients out of the soil i mean i mean we're spreading lime i mean shoot there's one farm we put a hundred ton of lime out this year well, i mean granted there are some egg fields and everything else but right. i mean a hundred ton of egg lime you know, just because the soil needed it, right? I mean, doing yeah. do, like doing soil tests and, and making sure the, the, the clover's fertilized. Yeah. Because back to Greg's point, we can't put feed or mineral out. So our plants have to be as healthy as possible. Yeah. Because that's where our deer are getting the nutrients from. Yeah. And probably something we don't say enough is the is how lime and improper soil conditions does affect the palatability, you know, People always hear us, and you know, you'll see, you'll read comments on social media like, "Oh, oh, let me guess, you want me to do a soil test and all." <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we're going to tell you to do that because one, it's the proper way to do it. Two, we want you to, you know, get. It's going to help you get the best shot to establish <clears throat> a plot and actually grow a plot. But there, it, you know, there is that next level of it's not just to get to grow your plot because people, oh, I didn't do a soil test and I just threw it out there and it grew. It grew. Frank showed me a, a clover plot at his house. It is wherever his farm is here in Illinois. And it's, I mean, it looks beautiful. I know what his soil test he just pulled on it was. And it was a five. Looking at that plot, you wouldn't have known it. But I promise you that it, the plants aren't as palatable as Rob mm. and Greg's. Mm. They have sweet soil. Back to the, what can you do to keep the deer on your farm and not need to get on that soil God. test? <laughs> yeah. I'll guarantee you my clover tastes better than yours. <laughs> Guaranteed it does, brother. <laughs> I ain't going to argue about that at all. And um, mine's, mine's mode. I, yeah, mine's over there. It's, mine, it's got trunks on it. But you can trust fall into it. Yeah, yeah I can fall in it. Yeah. Mine's still uh, in the bag. Hey, <laughs> hey, first off, at least I got a clover Yeah, but you plot. can feed. I haven't done anything wrong yet. Yeah. Not yet. No, no. Not until I get in the ground. Hey, listen, I'm asking questions because I want to know and I'm learning and I'm going to make we changes. We got to know. I'm going to make changes. No, it's I all like great info. Idiot. I love all this. This is awesome. Um, there's two big subject matters that i want to hit before we end this podcast and one are these awesome antlers on this table kind of shifting gears a little bit but i kind of i don't know how i want to we should probably do this first because the other one would be a good thing i don't know i don't know what to do is right the now. second thing the trout oh we didn't talk about the trout the yet. trout is going to be like a ps of this episode <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> fair. <laughs> yeah. Poor Joe and his trade show trout. Trade show trout. I'm just here um, to bring everybody together. TST. Man. You know, I, I, is it cool if I 
I want to bring up something else before we talk about this, Buck. Absolutely. Okay. I really want to know, coming from New Hampshire, Maryland, hunting, you live in New Hampshire now? Correct. And all, and being way out there, and then you have a farm in Illinois, and you're, you're a legend in the outdoor industry. How did you get your start in the hunting industry? And I want you to bring it back to, like, bring me back. All the way back? All the way back. All right. From the beginning. Because because I feel like I, I just, maybe on like video or whatever, you might just get a version of it. But I want like, how? How did it happen? Ooh, now we're going to the way back time machine. Yeah. If that's cool with you. I no, mean. A, no abs- absolutely. So I, I grew up, um, I fortunate when I was 10 years old, my, uh, my parents moved from um, kind of the suburbs out to the country and like i mentioned earlier had the opportunity to have a, a reservoir across the street from us mm-hmm. that was bow hunting only but i was never into hunting i was into boy scouts i shot you know bow and arrow at, at, at scout camp you know i go dam up the creeks and catch crawfish and sell them to the local bait shop but so i was, I was big into the outdoors but I wasn't into hunting. My next door neighbor, so when we, when we moved out into the country, my next door neighbor, who uh, was a former Marine, he was diehard hunter. Mm-hmm. So my dad had done some small game hunting, but he didn't, he, my parents didn't hunt. Nobody in my family hunted. So my next door neighbor um, got me into hunting, which is pretty cool. That's very, so that's, so yeah. I, killed, I killed my first deer with a bow at age 11. Wow. Oh. Yep. On my own, in, on a reservoir, public land. Right. And to this day, I will swear I was aiming right behind the shoulder and I hit her in the back of the head. <laughs> I don't know how that's just how it works sometimes. I mean, broadhead literally uh, came out between the between the eyes. So but I, I got the bug for hunting early enough so that, you know, I made my own arrows. I crested my own arrows. I, you know, anything I could read anywhere I could go. It was, you know, again, going to George Washington National Forest, going to the eastern shore of Maryland. You know, hunting sick of deer growing up. And anything that I could do. Well, through that process, I started to get involved in trap shooting as well. Mm-hmm. Love guns, love shooting. So I started to compete. And I was relatively good. Mm-hmm. So fast forward to college. So go to college. And I go to college in Ohio. So my dad was uh, from Cincinnati, Ohio, where he grew up. So I was outside of Columbus, Ohio. Okay. We all know what Ohio means <clears throat> to the whitetail world. Right? Yeah. Big whitetails. Yeah, for sure. That's not really why I went there, but I knew I wanted to be in the Midwest. I was still kind of close to family, but I was also in that realm of competitive shooting because the Grand American was out of Ohio. So I started to compete more, started a shooting team at my college. Right. So got, go, got all the, I went, got the funding, you know, I went to Winchester and I went to all the, you know, Remington and all these other companies, got them to donate supplies, to donate money. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the people I made friends with his his name was, uh, Ken Berger at the time. And he was repping Hornady ammunition. Well, Hornady also made shot shell reloaders. So Hornady donated for, to the school, a reloading press that we would, you know, literally be reloading shotgun shells. Yeah. Not in the dorm. This is at the gun club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in the dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing out there? Nothing. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so you know, I'm getting ready to graduate college. And uh, throughout college, uh, I was fortunate enough to, you know, I spent uh, two summers at the Olympic Training Center. 
So, I mean, I was, I was on the, you know, high level at the high level uh, at the U S shooting team level. That's awesome. And, uh, so I'm getting ready to graduate college and, you know, I asked Ken, I'm like, how do people get into this industry? How do they make money? You know, you know, Grant, I'm coming out with, uh, with, with two degrees, you know, one in economics and one in English. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he says, well, you should become a manufacturer's representative. I'm like, they didn't teach me that in college. What's that mean? Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, well, you're kind of a sales guy. You got multiple lines. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Who's the best? In the Maryland area where I grew up. And he said, GB Stump Associates. They're the best. They have Loophole. They have Maglite. They have Nosler. Right? They have all these great lines. I'm like, great. Can I have his phone number? Call up George Stump. Hello, Mr. Stump. I'm Greg Rest. Da, 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 da. You know, I would love to talk to you about, you know, coming to work for your company. Can Bergerick? Recommended me to to you, da da da. He goes, oh, you know, that's very nice. You know, he, you know, told me you may call, but we don't have any openings. You know, so you know, congratulations on graduating college. Have a nice life. <laughs> Damn, right? And I'm reality, like, right? <laughs> it, you know, and I'm like, you know, today is your lucky day. He goes, how do you figure that? So I said, because I'm going to take you to lunch. And he goes, you're going to take me to lunch? I said, yeah. I, I told you I grew up in Maryland. I went to school at Loyola. I'm in ten minutes from your office. I said, I want to come take you to lunch. He goes, well, I got a pretty busy day. I said, you got you busy tomorrow? And he goes, well, you know, I got to look at my schedule. You're busy next week. And he goes, where's this going? I said, because at one, some point you're not going to be busy. Yeah, so right, let's, right. let's yeah. just go to lunch. So uh-huh. we, we go to lunch and we have a great conversation. He explains how his business runs. And then he goes, well, like I told you, we don't have any openings and, you know, good luck kid. What do you, you know, with your career and all this? And I said, well, eventually I'm going to come work for you one day. And he goes, well, how do you figure? I said, well, because I'm graduating college, at some point somebody's going to retire or die. <laughs> yeah, hey, I mean, hey, it's it's the truth. You're also, gonna, it's the truth. Right. You're going to have a hole in your operation, and I said you're going to pick up the phone and you're going to call me. He goes, okay. So I go down to Florida. I work in the printing business. My dad was in the printing business, so I go to Florida, work in the printing business, graveyard shift, seven p.m. to seven a.m. Mm-hmm. Been there, right? Fun. So every month i wrote him a letter saying hey mr stump here's where i'm at i'm gaining these skill sets you know i'm moving in the organization dot da, 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 da. two years later phone rings you know hey greg this is gb uh you know it's george stump and he said are you still interested in coming to work for you i said have you been getting my letters he goes yeah that's kind of why i'm calling great he said we just picked up remington arms and i need a guy to work at the dealer level stock and shells working promotions are you interested Great. Where do I have to where do I have to move to? Pennsylvania. Not a problem. On my way. On my way. <laughs> right? Give my two weeks notice, pack up my little car, drive all the way from Florida up to Pennsylvania, and then just started working in the in the industries. I just loved it so much. Yeah. Wow. And literally like ace sporting goods, uh, you know, out of just uh, south of Pittsburgh. Go in there for the first promotion, got my little Remington uniform on, and I'm stocking shelves and, you know, selling guns and ammunition and, and you know, just started work as a manufacturer and then went from one territory to another territory and eventually moved to Ohio. So I had Ohio, Indiana, um, the uh, eastern part of Illinois, and the northern part of Kentucky as a single guy. <laughs> you had some fun. You're so, running. So w- w- I go out for three weeks at a time. Right. I'm staying at, at, at houses, you know, from the, the dealers I made friends with. I'm shooting trap. I'm deer hunting. I mean, it was a it was a great life, but it was just something that I wanted to do what I wanted to get into. And then. Yeah. Then uh, funny how the world kind of comes back around. I get a call from uh, Bob Gustafson, who owned Thompson Center Arms. 
and said, hey, you know, we're looking for a new sales manager. I've been talking to Ken Berger, who was their yeah. rep agency, uh-huh. who was the original guy who introduced me to George Stump. And he said, you know, would you be interested in, in this job? I'm like, you know, I kind of got a really good gig going on. Yeah. So thank you for calling. Well, he said, kind of, he flipped the story on me. Well, <laughs> I'm going to take you, you to lunch. You really should come out and see the company and all this. So it took about nine months and eventually, uh, um, you know, I took a job at Thompson Center Arms and then, you know, that led to Smith and Wesson, led to Wildcom, led to television. And here we are today. Wow. That's a cool story, man. Yeah, that is cool. Cool story. So you just if you want something bad enough, you can work and get it. Yeah, you'll get it. You know, it's kind Especially of the especially now, man. Kind of the American dream. Yeah, that's awesome. Persistence. Passion takes you a long way, huh? Yep, it does. Persistence for sure. Did you own Thompson Center at one time? I did. Yep. Yep. So the uh, when when Thompson Center, the two owners of Thompson Center, so Thompson Center was started uh, by Warren Center and Ken Thompson. Mm-hmm. So Ken Thompson. Warren Center. Ken Thompson had a foundry. Warren Center was working for H&R, and he designed this interchangeable handgun, interchange barrels. So he was trying, he went to H&R. H&R said, this thing would never sell, not interested in it. So uh, Warren says, like, geez, I really think this is going to be popular, and you need an investment castings to make the receiver to be able to make the gun. So he found an investment company up in rochester new hampshire and that ken thompson was running ken looked at that and goes well, why don't we just start a gun company do it so that was the contender pistol really started a company no, 19, 1967 out of a dream literally built it in his basement out of a dream and then once they built that they had a product that did really well spring and summer like oh geez we need to have a product that does really well in the fall so they go design the hawk and muzzleloader and then by luck, by design, by great fortune, Jeremiah Johnson comes out and uses a hawking rifle. And uh-huh. <laughs> muzzleloading muzzle starts to take off. Then you start working on seasons and regulations. And yeah, great so movie. then I, yeah, so then I put a private equity group together and uh, they purchased it. I had a, had an ownership stake as well. And Very cool. Sold it to Smith and then went over to be president of their long gun division, Smith & Wesson, for a few years. And here I am today. That's so Damn. awesome, man. <laughs> It's hard work, man. Yeah. The hustle, that's awesome. And then he planted food plots with me for a week. Way to climb the ladder. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm still, I'm right still, back down. I'm still, I'm still climbing. Joe and Daryl are at the top working class bow hunter. You've made it. Yeah, I've made it. I <laughs> finally made it. Made it like, but I'll like tell you day. what. Yeah. I mean, Joe might be right there, but Frank is coming up. Through the oh, dude. Frank's coming up fast. <laughs> dude, Frank literally fast. made the comment in the yard. Today or yesterday, to, uh, to Andy, uh, Joe's brother, he says, uh, we're talking My, my about brother's it. his assistant, by the way. Oh, oh Frank's yeah. assistant. Oh. Social media assistant. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he, he, he said, if you know Frank, you'll he'll appreciate this. And I, he, I'm kind of standing off to the side. I'm not in the conversation. But Frank, you know, he says it so I can hear it. And Andy, they were talking about, you know, Frank's like, bro, I just love being here. You know, I'm just so excited. I'm learning, blah, blah, blah. He goes, there's only one freaking person in this company. I got to get out of my way to get to the top. He's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 I was like, I'm the last person. In your he room. knew you were listening. Yeah, yeah, that's was, great. But I mean, that's just Frank. Yeah, yeah. Know? And he's he's um he's definitely going to be an asset. Frank is yeah. Frank. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Passion takes so you a glad long you guys way. Obviously, yeah. I love that story, man. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Like, 
if someone that is wanting to work in the hunting industry, if that doesn't motivate them, nothing can help them. Yeah. I mean, there, I mean there's, there's, I mean, and most of the people in this industry want to be in this industry. We work to be in this industry. Yeah. yeah. So it's, still, it's, a, it's a brotherhood. Still must be nice. For right? sure. Yeah. Yeah, and I can, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And the thing I can tell you is he's still the same way. Like we, we can barely keep up with him on the farm. I don't doubt that. I mean, right there, hanging, hanging the tree stands. Like he, he's pretty particular about the stands he sits in. Yeah, I mean, he's. It's pretty crazy. I mean, you could tell today that one spot, he's like, why have we not cut that tree down? Throws so so side by side apart, grabs a, grabs a chainsaw, and goes chop this tree down quick. Yeah, that did happen. I was like, should we go help him? We're like, nah. Nah, just walk nah we'll watch. You know what? You surround yourself with great people, great things happen. 100%. I 1,000% right. believe that, and I believe it more the older I get. Right. You know, it's like... I I think it's like once you're uh, distance enough from high school because you you are forced to be around people you didn't always really want to be around, mm. and as you get into your thirties and you kind of like structure things in your life, you control the people you want to be around, and I feel like it just increases the quality of your life when you have more control over it, or or you know how to have more control over it. I guess. Well, like minded mm-hmm. people so, too. Like minded people. Like I want to surround myself with people like us. Everybody here in the studio. It's like that's all I want to be around. Because it makes me happy and it motivates me and mm-hmm. it's healthy for my brain. If looking at Colt the Packer lines, th- that's what it is. <laughs> it's like See, it comes back to that. <laughs> yeah, it makes my brain happy, <laughs> and I like you guys. <laughs> so let's talk about this big giant set of sheds on the table here, and I want to get into uh, the nitty gritty on this deer. So, uh, so Rover, Rover. Rover. So the sheds on the on the table, uh, six and a half year old deer that we called Rover. And as we drove around the farm, I kind of gave you little areas that that he liked to. Uh, I could go kill that buck this fall, right? You, now, you know, knowing what I know now. Yeah, you probably. Could. I won't. Yeah, you won't. I won't. I promise. Oh, I, won't. I appreciate. It. You know, just, just call me. I'll give. You, yeah, I'll, give, I'll, I'll I'll come over. We'll have a beer or two. We'll talk about it. But uh, but okay. Yeah, I'm kidding. it was cool. To get that to add to this story of this buck, like you were kind of laying out how much you knew, which. Well, I mean, awesome. it, it's so we we have history documented to two years old. So, in fact, we just today released a uh, uh, Joe and Daryl watched this morning, a YouTube on uh, on Rover. Mm-hmm. And I gave the whole backstory. Right, I you know I want people to learn through my experience. I'll link that in the episode description of this. Fantastic, and so it goes all the way back to two years old, and so we we try to keep all the pictures of any deer that's pretty much a one twenty one twenty five Pope and Young deer through everything. You remember, Rob and I are looking at a million pictures a year, (laughs) a million, and half of those are videos. It's a lot of time. Right. And and it's not that, right? You're, because everything, did they come in from the left? Did they come in from the right? How did they turn their head? I mean, you can learn something from all this this information. It's a study. It's a study. So when he was two, I didn't pay attention to him because he was a high 80-inch eight-point, yeah. right? But there was another deer called the double main bean buck that I was paying attention to. And then when he was three, he became this wide, you know, um, you know, nine point and i'm like oh okay well he's that's you know with always kind of captures your eye and then oh, when yeah. he was four he became special right split brow split uh split brow inline split four inline point on the on the right 20 20 inches wide at four right in good mass yeah i think was it four years old that i almost 
lost my life sitting in the blind with you and I scared you? Yeah, I think it was. That the, uh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> so so we, and and actually we saw we saw Rover uh together uh the first time when he was four on the hoof hunting a, hunting a deer called called Apollo. So at that point you knew he had the freak gene. So when you see a deer like that, you want to try to, I personally believe, and there's a lot of other people in the industry, that seven and a half is the magic age in the Midwest. If you go down to Texas, they're going to tell you nine or 10. Whoa. Okay. Because, hey, you're further, you're closer to the equator. You're further south. The deer, the deer don't have harsh winters. They have less stress. They have less stress, right? So, you know, in the further north you go, it's the opposite effect. But, but in the Midwest, seven and a half seems to be peak. In fact, we're going through uh, nine lives today, right? And you were showing me uh, pictures about what he looks like now at 10. And I asked him like, well, when you go back, what was his best year? So about seven. About seven. Seven, yep. God so, damn, you're Greg, you're sharp, dude. You remember that name of that book and everything. It's like my hard drive's full. I gotta do something. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to empty the trash can again, dude, didn't you? Yeah. you gotta, I got crushed up bush light you, cans you, you, kicking you, around in you there. You gotta clear the cash, right? <laughs> yeah, gotta, yeah, yeah. Anyway, just so uh, you're punctual. Yeah, so so when he at four, you're like, How do we how do we get him to six or seven? He was named Rover because he was everywhere. Yep. I mean, every camera blew up during during the rut. So we had no control over this deer. Mm-hmm. But the older they get, the more they develop personalities, they develop patterns, and you can start understanding, you know, do they like this food plot over that food plot? Do they like clover? Do they like corn? Do they, I mean, you can start figuring those out based off of your endo mm-hmm. with terabytes of information. Well, there was one day in the rut, I think, when he was four. I think that's, that's what we named him, when, when he was four. In one day... He circled the farm three times. He hit 13 trail cameras in one day. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. It's just taunting you. It's like, man, what's he doing over here? It's like, no, don't go over there. Like, like that, that's not a good neighbor to go in front of. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no come on, that's not a farm. But the, what, what's interesting, though, so, so here's kind of a story that, that hopefully people can get a piece of information out of. We talked earlier about this uh, this age pyramid, right? So the bottom of the pyramid are one and a half, right? Two and a half, three and a half. And at the top are mature bucks, the top of the pyramid, five and a half and older. So we on, on the home farm, we don't harvest any deer until any bucks until they're five and a half years old. You have no idea what their genetic potential is. We've had deer go from four to five and grow 50 inches. Yeah, it's insane. You saw it, tips. Yes. Yep. Yeah, right? that buck is awesome. Right. So... You know when they when when you get to that to that mature level, you have this uh, this Kamala Harris Venn diagram. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Okay. You just went there. You just went there. There it is. There nice. It is. That's what we're doing. <laughs> okay. You're right. So 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 you have these mature bucks that have these intersecting areas, and 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 you know the one uh, story I told you between the mule deer buck and nosy, there was a definitive line. They wouldn't go there. Yeah, that's very fascinating, actually. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. So, Rover, despite him going everywhere, he like he preferred the north end of the property. As soon as we plucked Nosy out, he now slid to the center of the property. So, so it's not only what they prefer—food, cover, water—it's what slots are open. Yeah, where they can slide. Yeah, in. Good point. yeah. Right there. So, so when you. The, the tough part about the state of Illinois is you have two deer tags, right? 
what do I use them for? So typically, you know, I'll go after trophy deer in a, in, in a management deer, an old bully buck, something of, of that nature. They're always eight pointers. Right. And obviously my kids <laughs> and my friends and Rob hunts and Joe, Joe's great for management bucks. Mm, I mean, he's so good. Oh yeah. He's uh, a, right. he, yeah, he, the crazier, the uglier, the, the, better. the, the last one I shot on Greg's farm, we brought him back up to the cabin and he just looked at him and goes, Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Beautiful. But, they're, but they're they're holding a slot. Yes. Right. Right? So, yeah. but when you take that slot out, assume all of the factors stay the same, another mature buck's going to slide in. So I can start moving the pieces around on my own property by taking pieces off the table. I'm playing chess. I love this. You're playing chess. Right? I'm playing chess. You're moving shit around. Gosh. Right. So I just took your bishop, Right. And your queen just moved into your bishop. So now I'm getting ready to take your I queen. Really, I really don't know how to play the actual game of chess. So I have no <laughs> yeah, idea what that do, means. Eric. But <laughs> yeah, we sounds good. Yeah, we do. Was that two years ago when I killed Hoosier 2? <laughs> yep. it, it was Hoosier 2, right? right? We were talking about that today. Like I was yeah. after a buck named Hoosier, and I'm sending Rob pictures. I think that's Hoosier. I think that's Hoosier. Yep, that's him. Shooting. Dies right there. And we go up. Rob comes up. Daryl's like, "That's not Hoosier." <laughs> Rob comes up and goes, "Oh yeah, that's Hoosier too. That's like his twin or something." But yeah, yeah, it's the stuff double. There. We have that quite a bit on the but, farm. Like some of the like the the real bullies that we've been chasing for years. Yeah, yeah. They literally develop stunt doubles just to like it's crazy. Yeah, take but, a fall for them. But that being said, that buck needed to go, and you killed in that blind two weeks later. Correct. Correct. On a buck that had not been in that location. Correct. Moved right yeah, over. He to moved in Perfect. right away. You're welcome, Greg. Correct. See, I always <laughs> thought about that. How do they know that that buck is gone? Well, so, so here's how I was going with this, and we have this on video, so we can play this, Shoot, which is actually on the YouTube video. By okay. okay. So uh, so shoot nosy. Okay. We are, so, and actually, Mr. Powers was filming, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. By the way, so we always should give another plug to Mountain Ops. Uh, about that Code time. WCB at uh, Mountain Ops. You can get the link in the episode description. Um, shout out to Jake Powers. There we go. Thank you. So J- <laughs> J- Jake was Jake was filming me, and uh, great shot on Nosy. Runs off, right? So we're celebrating the moment, and then Jake looks up. You know, he's like, oh, my God. Like, that's the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life. In comes Rover. Okay? <laughs> How did Rover know Nosy? He had to step on Nosy's body to get, because I, obviously we recovered Nosy. I don't know where he died. Ran out of the food plot, died in a ditch. Literally, Rover had to step over his body to come into that field. And he usually was never over there because of the other deer. Correct. Yeah. Because that year you had Nosy there and the mule deer buck. So you had a 177 right. and a 184. But that's how, that's how fast right the dominance happened, right? Do they smell it? Do they hear it? Do Do they... They, or, or is this just always this like force field or pressure, right? And all of a sudden that uh, pressure is relieved and they go, oh, well now. It, so they're always like pushing the edge. And all of a sudden, when there's nothing pushing back, you know, he's like, "Oh, I want to be there. I want, yeah. the, I want that main event," which is what he did. Because I don't think you told this story either that. yet. But the one where you had one deer living over here, one over here, they never crossed each other. Nope. Yeah. But one but, day they just happened to cross each other, and then you found the two broken main beams, right? Correct. Well, yeah. Right. So that the, story so, is so cool. Right. So I mean, so it's, so right. Both of them got broken up at the same time. And where we and where we found the broken pieces of their antlers 
would now became the definitive line. And again, with trail cameras, you can tell this stuff. Like it's yeah, yeah. It is what it is. It was the respect line they laid down, pretty much. It, it was it was a respect line. Yeah, because I always wondered that too. It's like you know, I killed that buck on my little farm, and I knew he was the most mature buck using the farm. It's like, did he? Who moved in? You know, it's like, or who's gonna move in? Or like, how long did it take for another buck to be there that I didn't know about? Or whatever, you know. It's like, yeah, how long does it take him? And, and mm-hmm. but yeah, it's it's like a respect field mm-hmm. kind of fades out. Well, I mean, what was it? Is it? How long after that deer you shot that deer and he was moving in? Uh, 20 minutes, minutes, minutes 20 minutes? minutes, 15, 20 minutes. There's got to be some sort of like, is it a, uh, a smell? A scent they put is off it, when they die or? Does it like, does it get kind of know. like transferred through, if it does take more than that through scrapes you know, or something like know, that? I think it's more, I think it's, we don't know, but my feeling is it's kind of like if you go into a bar and you know the one bully guy in the bar. Right, you go in and you just like ah, I'm just gonna have my little seat back. Yeah, that here. guy's really drunk, and I don't feel like dealing with right, him. Right, right. Yeah. So I, I think they they know everything going on there. Ter- you cut one tree down, like the tree I got today. You know, ten deer already knew about that tree was down within an hour. Right. They know they know everything, mm-hmm. and what we think is big is not big to them. Like we can look at 500 acres and go, oh my God, 500 acres is big. 500 acres isn't big to them. They have all day to do nothing. (laughs) They're just just deer. Yeah, they just walk around and look at trees is all they do. Right. So they. That's a funny way to put that. So, 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 so they have all day to do nothing. (laughs) So Rover slid to the core, taking that chest piece off. So that, that was great. So now, okay, what do we, so I, I pursued Rover last year, six and a half. So, which is his shed now, right? Which is, uh, you know, he has 180, 183 and, and change <laughs> with a mega, with a 20 inches wide. But, and you guys will appreciate this hunting, you know, hunting Illinois and probably Indiana the same way. Once the first, second gun season were over in the muzzleloader, he ran the gauntlet. And I'm like, the chance of him surviving now are like 98%. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to hunt you now. I don't want to close the chapter. It's not over. It was a drought year. And I'm like, if you've made it this far, you deserve to live the rest of the year. Mm-hmm. So even though I pursued him and I passed him at 42 yards because I was out of shooting light and, mm-hmm. and all these interactions, like every day waking up, I'm going to go to this stand. How many stands did we hang? How many blinds did we move? A lot. Trying to kill this deer. And then all of a sudden, no. And Rob knows. He knows when I come in and say, like, oh, boy. Got to start yeah. over again. He was <laughs> go find out of here. camera light. Yet I was on the other side of the farm using the same camera filming somebody else. And he's like, yeah, Rover just went by and we didn't have camera light. And I look at my camera and I'm like, hmm. Which, okay. which, oh, yeah. which, which by the way, was the Good night, story. night before the first gun season. Oh, geez. So you're... Mm. Right. That gun season comes in early over here, don't it? Weekend before Thanksgiving, weekend after. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 because I wanted to kill Rover with a bow, I purposely got a gun tag for a different county. Look at yeah. you. He likes stressing me out. <laughs> yeah, I guess because, so. Because I know what would happen. You it's, have to do it that. You have to right. do that. Hey, you're playing, so, you know, so, you're playing, right. you're playing chess. So, right, so against myself. Yeah, right? yes, yes. <laughs> right. So, so, so I'll tell you how crazy it is. So then I go spend two days stressing about Rover. That I went because and, it was gun season, right? So I then I went and bought a doe tag, so I could go back to my farm to watch him. <laughs> Everything's okay, buddy. And every gunshot, like I mean, I literally tell him oh. in gun season, don't even come to Illinois. Oh, every gunshot, oh. he's like, okay, 
do which that. which one what of the deer? children just got killed? <laughs> Each children. Every, every shot just. Ugh. Oh man! So, but now the fun begins, right? So now, unfortunately, we, we have another drought, more severe than last year, and uh, he's not throwing as much junk. I, we found him right away, which is kind of amazing. It's wildlife. Like, how can you go put a camera out? And and I actually, I, I said this when I was doing a seminar with Ray Reeves at the Great American Outdoor Show. And we were doing a seminar together. And I made a prediction. And I was actually, you know, about three weeks earlier in my prediction, I said, on this tree, rover heading in this direction, we're going to get his first picture. And we were three weeks quicker than what I predicted. Wow. Mm. But you have all the in- intel. And it yeah. was a bit, so what's he doing on a bean year versus a corn year? So you start developing this through a million, you know, the patterns through a million pictures. Yeah. So going into this year, so we planted the three-way plot, a plot specifically designed for him, four wind directions. And then we're going to go take your new blend, which I know I'm not supposed to, to talk about right now. <laughs> and uh, so, and I'm going to, I'm going to attempt to kill Rover on their test plot. You're going to be on the bag, huh? I want to be on the back. <laughs> I want to be on the cover bag. of that catalog. Well, the deer's going to be on the back. People don't care about me. You're going to be on the back. He bag. wants the name <laughs> putting on the Ritz. Oh. oh, hey, that's what he wants. I'm not mad at that. I think they likes kicking in, staying at the yeah. Ritz. You all right, Joe? I'm good. Oh, I'm I'm there now, man. Hey, trust fall clover. I'm just saying, it's pretty sweet sounding too. Not bad. Hey, I like it. Put them on yeah. the bag. Or just call it Rover. Call Rover it. Clover. Well, Rover, Rover whatever. Oh. So, so that, you, you heard that story about Rover. We watched the YouTube today. Yeah. And I think we already posed the question of, Greg, what if he gets in front of you in that test plot and you just up and decide you're not going to shoot him again? Because that could be the chapter. It could be. But you could just leave everybody hanging again. Wow. Well, you never know. Well, he's well, seven hey, and a we half. Had, we had this conversation on Nine Lives. Do you pass him this year or not? Whether injury, stress, or whatever. <laughs> is he go, Is he going to... Oh, you're shaking your head. There's like, no way. Shoot no him. Way. No, not no way. I'm I'm team shoot Nine Lives because we think he's 10. Yeah. Because, I mean, you didn't bring up a good point. Like, he might come out of it next year. He might not be as big, but he might come out of it. You, you never know. If you see him and he's got like an injury... Then you got to shoot him. Dude, he, if I see him, he is dying. Okay, I respect that. Whatever. You know, well, and the other, you know, the, other <laughs> the other interesting factor about this deer, which you can tell him what he does year to year. Yeah, so he get, he goes from a clean typical to trashing. So four, he trashed out, right? Split brow, inline point, split four. You know, next year goes to a clean 10, then trashed out. Now he's back clean. It's the, uh, what'd you call it? The slot machine? The slot machine. Yep. Yep. When you pull that handle on that slot machine and all the variables from the environmental factors, right? social stress, EHD, you know, uh, yeah. worms, ticks. Winter. Winter, right? Hard rut versus, you know, not a hard rut. You know, you hope they line up to all cherries one day. It really is just a gamble. It's, it's just it the pull of the it's slot fun. machine. So many equations, and factors, and stresses, and unknowns, and knowns, and trying to put people. Uh, it's it's so fun, bro. My brain can't even process how much I learned today. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> what's, so, what's man, great is I'm going to show the pursuit of Rover through social media and YouTube uh, as current as I can 
as a way for people to understand the process. That's awesome. Okay, because er there is a process. Mm -hmm. Details matter. And you never take a shortcut. So if anybody walks away from anything on this is understand, don't take shortcuts, whether you're planting food plots, you're hanging a tree stand, whatever you do, you're leaving your stand and I don't, don't, don't take shortcuts, follow the process, you know, and mm -hmm. de and details matter. I love that. There it is. There it is. Dude, I'm pumped to see how I'm this so unfolds. Excited. So knowing what he looks like now, I mean, how are you feeling about it? Did that just answer your question? Yeah, it did. Okay. Yeah. It, it also answers Joe's question. You're sitting <laughs> on the chessboard again, but, but playing yourself, but, aren't but you? Still watch the YouTube. You know, I, I guess Joe and I. I, I can, gotta, I'm gonna have Kurt in the back of my ear going, "Shoot him! Shoot him! Shoot him! Rover Clover! Shoot this damn Rover Clover!" I guess we can name it whatever we want to name. <laughs> hey. He's badass either way, man. But but yeah. you know what? It's and, and it's really not how many inches he has. I just hate to ch close the chapter. I know what you're saying. I respect that too. I think everyone can respect that. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the and, and it, w you looked at his body, right? He looks like he's four. Yeah, that's like that's like kind of like instantly underjudged his score because that's just how he. See, right. but that's where I'm at with nine lives. I'm ready to close the chapter. Yeah. Yeah, I could tell you. You're, <laughs> you've been stressed out for a long time. <laughs> a lot of bets going on within our crew. They had there's tattoo bets on the line. Oh boy, there's chip eating bets on the line with oh, him and Doug. I mean, there's, I mean, it's, it's a lot of self inflicted stress. Let's be honest, but it's a great time for my from this end of the table. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> I'm not stressed about that. I'm just stressed over nine lives that I've had for the last ten years. It'd be cool to close the book on a buck that we believe is ten that has lived out the majority of his life, and it, he doesn't have five years in him. No, he maybe doesn't have two. Could could, you know? It's like there it is. Yep. What, you know what do you get? Spin the wheel. Spin yeah. the wheel. <laughs> wheel that's fortune. What's fun about it? you never really know. You what, might go what, bankrupt. What, you know, at the end of the season, you never know. <laughs> You're gonna have fun doing it though. Oh, dude, I'm excited, guys. I have enjoyed this episode so much. This has been a perfect day. Beautiful day on the farm, hanging out with the boys. Wish Frank could have made it. Fun podcast, fun conversation. Learned a ton. I want to do this again. I hope you guys will come back. Absolutely. And, and You're so close. Can we talk yeah. about the trout on that one? Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about the trout right now. <laughs> P.S. You ain't getting out of this trade show trout thing, Joe. I wasn't ready to be done because the Ignite just kicked in. Oh. So, so let's oh. go. I'm going to go back over to the depot and get a Thank couple Thank you, cocktails. Jake. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, Jake. So... I just want to say I, I do appreciate like the great like I feel deep detailed conversation conversation we've had, even though our wage brains haven't caught up yet. Kind of have to like simplify it a little bit, but it's great, right? So I really appreciate yeah. that. No, thank you guys. No, it's, it's it's a blessing to share it with you guys. And likewise, I'm getting the feedback from you guys and watching how you react to the farm and see things, and it helps me learn. Hey man, okay. yeah, we appreciate you inviting us over and showing us all that. I mean, it was incredible. I don't think I've ever learned so much in one day. Yeah, we've 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 had a blast. So, like you say, we need a part two at some point. We yeah, will. We sure. have to do it. Yeah. Um, let's talk trade show trout real quick. <laughs> People are going to wonder what the hell is a trade show trout, Joe? <laughs> Straight from the hands we, of little children. <laughs> yeah, just ripping hard-earned children's trout. No, nah, they're going to throw them out anyway. Uh, so we just got done with Deer Fest, and we were on our way up. Uh, it was me, Burley Raj, my dad, and Josh McDaniel. 
and it was it was on Thursday when we were on our way up. My dad is an Instagram guru. He said, "Hey, did you see they're going to have a trout pond for the kids?" <laughs> he does not have a southern accent. I don't know why. He that <laughs> kind of sound like Burley Raj though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. All right, a little more Hank Hill. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I was like, trout. That sounds delicious. And uh, so I called Casey Morgan, uh-huh. the owner of Deerfest. Man, what are you guys going to do with those trout? And this is before the show even started. Uh, yeah, this is, I mean, this is 8 o'clock in the morning yeah. on Thursday. I said, what are you going to do with those trout? Said, what do you mean, what am I going to do with them? I said, well, I want them. Because there's like 70 of them. Cool. I'll wait, take them. Wait, 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 wait. I'll take you them. have 70 of them? No, no, no. We didn't end up taking 70. <laughs> I'll take them. <laughs> so we, we get there, and we had our designated grizzly coolers. We had a 20 and a 40, ones for food, ones for beer. I'll let you guess which one was for which. Yes. And we get there and we're like, yeah, you can have the trout if you want them after the kids are done. Mm-hmm. Cool. After they get done stressing them all out. Isaac's yeah. there in working class alley with us. Like, yeah. Bro, I'm gonna need another cooler to go home <laughs> with. So he he had a he's like, is a sixty good enough? Like, yeah, let's do a sixty. <laughs> so on was it Saturday night? Yeah, they were been, having the, the appreciation. Vendor party. Yeah, vendor, the, the vendor party. Um, the guy comes over who's running the kids' events. He's like, hey, we're gonna roll out. It's like, what do we need to do? He goes, just bring the cooler. Okay. And they gave us nets, and we just went to town scooping trout out. and <laughs> Like fish in a barrel. So we, we put them on ice the next day. I was worried because, I mean, it's, you know, they're farm-raised trout. So you don't, it's like going to a grocery store and buying a trout. But I'm like, I don't want to have whole ungutted trout going down the road because somebody might think I'd actually caught them yeah 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 so we gutted them out in the parking lot while everybody was tearing down <laughs> okay and, and who was the guy that walked up and bit the trout head off it was one of the guys from Tra- chase nation no one even dared him to do it he just like wanted his moment like i'll bite a head off he took it why he's like watch i'll do it everybody's still going why and he did it anyway <laughs> good on him man a lot of protein there it was it, it was a good laugh but yeah <laughs> Yeah. I do have tragic. documentation of you gutting or cleaning trout. Yeah, and then you came out to get your trailer, and I'm out there gutting trout in the parking lot. Mm-hmm. And you thought that was the end of it, and then you guys showed up today, and I fixed them for lunch. Well, was, I didn't think I'd ever eat them. It was an epic failure, for the record. Listen, I mean, they didn't taste that bad. What do we say? Just real real bunny. A lot of bones. The deer fest story I got was from Doug. First, I get some guy just bit a head off a trout. Yeah. Didn't hear anything all day. Then I get a text from these two saying, take care of the podcast and our families. I go, what is going on up there? Next day, Joe is cleaning trout in the parking lot. I'm like, what did it? What did I miss <laughs> what at this happened show? There at what happened? That's, That's awesome. my timeline of that show. Actually, well, you were, you were busy like having a kid or something, so we didn't want to go out there yet. That's true. We, we probably just worried you more than anything, but... Um, so yeah, that came full circle and we did eat those, uh, trade show trout. They weren't, I mean, it just wasn't worth it. I will not do that again. A lot of bones. Stupid. (laughs) Daryl, what did you think of them? (laughs) The, the, uh, pork was good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, geez. Pork was good. I appreciate your valiant effort. You, you tried to save the food going to waste. Yeah. He he didn't want to do to waste. Yeah. He put a lot of effort in. I will say that. It's good on you, man. I ate it. Yeah. You can say you've done it. Yeah. I had chicken salad. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, I definitely reverted around it. Well, that's a trade show trout story. Um, where can people find you if they don't already know where to find you guys? And we'll just we can go round table. We'll start with you, Greg. Yeah, it, Instagram is the best way to cool. find me. Yep, cool. Maybe a major outdoor network. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, Outdoor <laughs> Channel and My Outdoor TV has all the historical. Uh, cool. You know information as well, and then now on uh, on YouTube. Cool. So we're we're trying to document everything on a weekly basis, what we're doing on the farm, and uh, how we're growing the deer, how we're managing, how we're making decisions, awesome. and then uh, you know some of these little how to pieces. We get a lot of people who ask these questions: mm-hmm. how to how to take a soil test, how to set up a planter, what tractor to buy, yeah. things yep. things of that nature. So we just kind of listen to the viewer, and we're putting that out on a weekly basis. Cool. I'm gonna start following along, man, religiously, and uh, I'm I'm ready for technically part three. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, we were yeah. heavy on this one. This was great, awesome, a lot of fun. Awesome. What about you, brother? I'm, you can't find me anywhere. I'm in a tractor. Okay, I like yeah. that. <laughs> That's where you'll find me in a yeah. tractor. You can yeah. find, him, find him on Greg's farm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, all my social media got hacked, and I just deleted all of it. You're a smart guy, probably. Yeah, for that. Yeah, it's been nice. Daryl, where people find you in the lab, big time lab. In your white white lab coat? Yeah. Do you wear a lab coat? No. <laughs> That's a bummer, man. <laughs> you should. Can you, really can you get him one? Lab Somebody else took that gimmick. We don't use that. <laughs> We're going to change that. You at least get him like a beaker or something? No. Oh, okay. Well, Where can people find you, Joe? Uh, just hit me up on the website or, I mean, I'm still doing all the, the social media accounts. So if you have a question or anything, you know, any of the big time, Instagram, Facebook, straight off the website, if you have a question. That's where I'm at. You're the guy. That's right to me. Yep. Making feeding deer cool again, or cool in general. Still trying. He is. Still trying. Eric, killer day, man. You got anything? No, man. Thanks again for letting us come to the farm and having an awesome day. No, thank you guys. Just kick yeah, ass. We it's appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you coming here in person, yeah. man. That means a yeah. lot to yeah. us. I know it's not always convenient to do in-person podcasts, but giving us a chance. It's, it's, it's worth it. I appreciate you, you guys are You guys are great to hang out with. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. We've had a blast. Yeah, I mean, this studio, dude, this is amazing. Thank you. I mean, it's, yeah. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're coming back. Okay. It's kind of like our like farm. That. We're always trying to improve it, you know? And then, yeah. like, literally the whole experience going across, the, you know, across the street, getting a good meal. <laughs> yep. We had to create out. some edges there. You know, there was a pathway. Uh, get you see? over to the tavern. See, now you're thinking. See, it's wired Sometimes now. you got to think like a whitetail. That's right. It's so advanced on part three. When we're, making our pod, <laughs> we're making our plot a little bigger with the building next door. That's right. Ah, Get you coming back. That's right. Palatability. You don't want your support. <laughs> you don't want your supporters to leave, so that you're going to add on. Yeah, we're going right. to hold you in hostage and never let you go anywhere. That's our goal here at Working Class. <laughs> we're having fun. Thank you guys so Thank much. You. Yeah, thanks. thanks everyone yeah. watching, listening. You know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Peace.
Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss life on the water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment.